So here we go. All right, all right. Welcome to Sabby Sab's podcast on Call-In. This is episode 45, Hands Off Assange Recap. Let's chat about the Hands Off Assange rally in DC and London. We were able to get Assange trending on Twitter, so hopefully this message has reached more people. The rally in DC was great, but in particular, I wanna hear from you tonight. How do you feel? about Assange and John Bolton calling Assange a criminal. So I did have a speech at that rally. So I'm going to go ahead and start with that. And I'll take calls from all of you guys. So here we go. Oh, hold on. I forgot this has to go through website one second. Forgot to put that there. Give me just a second. I realize I can't play it through that. Um, through that browser. Okay, there we go. Okay, let me get that queued up. Okay, here we go. When I studied journalism in undergrad, my professors told me that journalism was about reporting the facts. What they did not tell me was that there are certain agencies that do not want some facts or truths reported. Sometimes that decision lies in the hands of an editor, a publisher, a platform, or the United States government. Julian Assange is currently imprisoned for reporting the facts, for revealing harsh truths about U.S. war crimes. He's being tortured for doing his job. Some government officials, like John Bolton, <laughs> have called Julian a criminal. I disagree. Journalism should not be a crime. But I would ask John Bolton, where is that same outrage for the real criminals? Where is that same outrage for the clients of Jeffrey Epstein? Where is that same outrage for the Wall Street bankers that stole people's homes during the housing crisis? Those are the real criminals, and they walk among us freely. Independent journalists like Julian are critical and necessary because media outlets such as CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC spread lies every day to the American people. 
they regurgitate the same narrative from the State Department, the narrative that the U.S. government has decided is acceptable. If commentators like Anderson Cooper told the truth, the real truth, would he still be employed at CNN? Make sure I got a page. If you're wondering why you should care about what's happening to Julian, if you value free speech or free press, then you should be very concerned about his ordeal. Over the past year, I've watched independent journalists and commentators struggle with censorship on various platforms. I've seen them have their work deleted, sometimes work that was published years ago. I've seen journalists demonetized and deplatformed, some of whom I know personally, and I know they do good work. I've seen Wikipedia pages smearing anti-war voices. And speaking of war, if you discuss Russia and Ukraine differently than mainstream media, you will also be censored or deplatformed. The same goes for Israel and Palestine, Syria and Yemen. Censorship did not start with Julian Assange and he is not alone. We must also mention voices like Daniel Hale and Mumia Jamal. But we must also ask our representatives in DC, where do they stand on this issue? In particular, the progressive members in Congress, with the exception of Ilhan Omar, where does the squad stand on Julian Assange and the issue of free speech? Why are they silent on this issue? If they're not willing to stand up for free speech, then they will vote accordingly. And we may not have independent media, the same media that gave them a platform when CNN would not. The same media that got them elected. So this time, it's Julian Assange. Next time, it could be someone else if we don't protect free speech. Next time, it could be you. Thank you. Okay, so that was my speech at the Julian Assange rally. And I want to get you guys' take on this. I want to hear from you about how you feel about this issue. Because there is something that I have noticed, and we mentioned this earlier tonight on RBN. Some people aren't talking about this issue at all. And I don't know if it's because they're afraid they're going to be censored if they do talk about it. Or if it's because they don't particularly care about this issue. And I think everybody in independent media should be concerned about this because if they can come after Julian Assange, they can come after any one of us. So it's it's making independent journalism a crime and it's, it's really unfortunate. So I do see we have a couple of callers. So I'm going to go to the first caller, which is Dorian. Let me go ahead and bring you in. Dorian, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hi, uh, Savvy, can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, all right, apologies. Um, first and foremost, thank you for, you know, putting your voice out there to be heard. Uh, certainly do commend you a lot, not a lot of people, not a lot of people are doing that. And secondly, you know how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel very strongly about it as far as like wanting to be an informed citizen. And can, can you, I'm not sure if I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh, okay. Okay, good. I'm making sure I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> but um, as far as like being an informed citizen and uh, Julian Assange was doing just that. And when you expose people for what they're doing, there's going to be a lot of pushback on that. And uh, the people that he was exposing, they have a lot to lose, particularly the military industrial complex. I mean, I know I was a part of it at some point in my life. And, you know, mm -hmm. the information that he's, that he's putting out there, in addition to with like, you know, the Panama Papers and all these other papers that are exposing what, what we're doing, it's, it's not something that puts us in a good light. And to be honest with you, you know, when I talk to people, I don't even think they like to hear it. it. I feel like I'm a party of one when I'm when I'm talking to people about this. And some people rather stick their head in the sand because the truth is really ugly. And I think that's part of the problem is like having to confront that. I mean, I think what was it, Carl, Carl Jung, you know, he talks about our shadow selves and we're really coming to coming to terms with that now. And I think we're seeing how we're reacting. I think those are all good points. And I think you brought up an interesting point about the military as well. Like it's, it's difficult. I mean, I know for me, like I, you know, I come from a military family like as well. And it's, it's really hard to like, when you've been a part of it, to look back on it and realize that like at that point in time, and my, my dad will say this as well. At that point in time, you really did believe that you were a part of something that was, was good, that you were doing the right thing, that you were helping serve your country. And it wasn't until I think, at least for, for my dad, when the Operation Desert Storm, that he realized, like, wait a minute, like, what are we doing? Like, what, what is what is really happening? This is all about. And much as we talk about people joining the military to serve their country, a lot of people join because of the benefits. Like my dad joined because of the benefits, because he wanted to get out of poverty. And that was a, a ticket out, basically. But I think that it is difficult for people to deal with. I know people that have been to Iraq and when they, by the time they got back to the US, they were not the same. I know people that have done multiple tours uh, in Iraq and they still haven't found some sense of normalcy, I would say, just to get back to their regular self. And I think what Julian Assange did, when you look at how he exposed uh, US war crimes, when he exposed you know, truths about the Democratic Party, like a lot of people want to defend Hillary Clinton, but let's be real, she did what she did. The problem was the fact that it was revealed. And I think you're right. I think 
most people I talk to, when I tell them about the Julian Assange situation, when I tell them that, do you know what it was that he captured? Do you know what it was that was shown? They feel very uncomfortable when I tell them about it. When I tell them the truth, you can almost tell it's like, they don't want to believe it. They don't want to know because they still want to think that the United States government is good. Exactly. And that's a, that's a reckoning that we are really having to come to and really understanding like a lot of these truths are coming out, like the world leaders, like, you know, everyone can't be pissed at us for no reason. Like there's a reason why like everyone seems to be turning their backs on us. It's not because we're the happy go lucky uh, country bringing freedom and peace to everybody. And they, they seem to be celebrating because they certainly are not. And we're paying the piper. Uh, I think uh, the powers that be are, they're changing hands. And we're, what we're really witnessing is a dying empire. And I agree. What's scary to me is how far will they go? That's my wonder. I mean, I think those are those are all good points. And the scariest thing that I think we need to think about, too, is if they bring him back to the United States and that trial happens here in the U.S., this it, this is over. Like, this is over. This has to take place in the U.K. Quite frankly, I think it's been over for some time. <laughs> as far as, like, any type of dissension, because let's say you do print it. What happens? I mean, they printed all these things, and what has happened? Absolutely nothing. So you can say whatever you want. It's kind of like the Smashing Pumpkins song I love. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. And that's it. That was a good point, Dorian. I mean, like, do you do you ever think about, like, your experience um, when you did serve? Do you have any regrets? Oh, absolutely. But sometimes I think, you know, the... I, I don't necessarily subscribe to God in the religious sense, but maybe in the universe that I was meant to, I was sent over there to see these things and like to see the people. As I remember, I was traveling and I remember we were, I think we're, I won't say, but we were in the Middle East, right? I'm traveling about in the market and I just couldn't believe how kind these people were to me. And I'm like, you know what we're doing. How are you still extending any type of kindness? And it blew my mind. And I was like, what am I doing here? But one of the things I would, and I do regret in that aspect, because I imagine when you start looking at some of those numbers and they tell you it's 92%, right, of casualties. And then you hear planes come back, like, you know, your planes, you know, bombs are going off. They don't, they don't stop every day. Like, you know, we talk about 9-11s and we were hit twice. Imagine being hit every single day. I don't even think we took a break for Christmas. Uh, like that, I, I remember what 9-11 felt like. And I remember actually being like really terrified. I can only imagine what they must have felt like for 20 years. 
Yes, it's true. And like, imagine if you're just a civilian, like you're not involved in this. You're a child just trying to go to school on a Monday morning and you have to worry about, oh, my dear, uh, am I going to be able to even make it to school today because of the airstrikes, because of the bombs, because of war? Like, am I even going to be able to make it to school? Am I going to be able to go to sleep at night? And I've seen so many documentaries about this. And I just say to myself, like, this is part of the problem. I think for us as Americans, we don't have to deal with that here. With the exception of like 9-11, which was, that was one event, right? One event, one day. Imagine if we had 9-11 every single day. And yeah, you- I mean, that's a problem. We don't, we yeah. don't have, and I think it's like the ability of people to empathize. And like, I literally asked, put yourself in their shoe for a moment and think, what do you think is going to happen? You know, it's like this idea of like bringing democracy by, you know, by the gun and the bullet, it's clearly hasn't worked. (laughs) And it's clearly making problems worse. I mean, like, just look at it. Like these these guys who want to sell weapons, they're not stopping, and they're like they're going to Ukraine. What's next? Now it's yep. Taiwan. Now they want to go to Haiti. They just need a reason to sell their weapons, and they'll find a reason. Well, there's like a whole list. There was a list of countries that they wanted to go after, and that was actually mentioned under the Bush administration. And some of those things have already been taken into to action. You see what they've done to Somalia, Afghanistan. They've like demolished these countries. And the people are just so, you know, when, when you have nothing around you but rubble, and we have our issues here, don't get me wrong. But when you have no, nothing around you but rubble and like buildings that have been destroyed and you can't go to school. There is no school because the school has been destroyed. It's been blown up. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, I ask Where some do people, you go? Like, like these people, like they talk about these immigrants that come from, let's say, you know, South America. I'm like, okay, I need you to think for a moment. What in the world would convince you to travel 2,000 miles with your family to another country in which you don't speak the language? You know you're going to be treated as a second-class citizen. What would provoke that? What 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 would provoke you as a person to strap a bomb to yourself? Like, it's like they don't think them, uh, they don't empathize with them and think about that person as themselves. And and I think that's the problem. When when you can't see yourself in them, or you see them as different, then you, maybe you can allow these things to happen. That's true. Especially if you never think it would happen here. Exactly. And you just kind of see, and, and American people have been, we've been brainwashed by the United States government to believe that we are the problem. I mean, I'm sitting here and I showed you guys earlier tonight, five, over 5,000 people surrounded the parliament. Like for Julian Assange, you had at least 200 of us in DC for Julian Assange. And who covers it? Fox News was there and covered it that day. 
no one from CNN, no one from MSNBC. And so people see the hypocrisy with the media. And let's be real, they're already struggling for ratings as it is. Honestly, it's really scary how like, that I never like really thought like the media clamping down on the way they have as far as information. When I watched like Venezuela and they were talking about Juan Guaido as being the leader and not Maduro, I was like, wait a second. I know I watched this election. <laughs> Why is the st State Department saying something completely different than what the results are? I'm like, wow, this is real propaganda happening. And like when you when when that happens to you, that, that kind of like really broke through the matrix as far as like information, as far as like even trusting the government. It's like you don't even know what to trust anymore. And I think that's also part of the problem. There's a lack of trust in any type of source. And like we're literally going to individual journalism, such as yourself, Sabrina. I can't trust a multi-billion dollar company to do research, to find me the truth and to deliver some type of news. I think that's that's pretty pathetic. And now we that's have true. to require citizen journal. You do a better job than a billion dollar corporation. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Dorian. Yeah, I, I went went down there to DC and it's like, there are like journalists that have a lot more resources than I do. I mean, I, I drove down there and I, I used my phone like to live stream, but I'm talking like CNN, MSNBC, like they have professional equipment um, and they have locations in the area. It's like, you couldn't send one journalist to cover this. And I think they've pretty much been told not to talk about this issue. And that's really upsetting because it makes them look a certain way because why is it okay for Fox News to talk about it? but it's not okay for CNN and MSNBC to talk about it. So what's that about? Well, it goes to show, you know, they have their narratives and they're bought. They're so bought and paid for, like, like the strings are attached and none of them can move. They all seem mm. to be stuck in this web of money. And it's so obvious to everyone now. Yep. Yep. And like I said, you see, like their ratings are sinking. Their ratings are sinking. Who knows, maybe if they covered this this story, maybe if they actually covered Julian Assange, maybe their ratings would improve. Huh, imagine that. Well, you know what? People used to watch the news religiously when, you know, they had the Walter Cronkite, when they, you know, trusted the media. Yep. Maybe they would continue if they had a media they knew they can trust. Who wouldn't want to tune into that? That's why I tune into you. Because I can trust oh, what I'm hearing because I know I get resources. I You link me to resource. I can look it up and, you know, I, I check it out. I'm like, okay, it's in line with what the, the resource is saying. Thank you. And I think a Thank lot you. of people, you're allowed to have your opinions. That's fine. But at least state the facts first. That's right, because I, I know, I mean, uh, one thing I will say is that when I think about like mainstream media, I think they do have advertisers and they have to pay the advertisers and everything. But at the same time, 
they had no problem paying those advertisers when they covered the protests that were happening when they when they showed video of people like looting stores and things like that instead of focusing on those peaceful protests that happened during the George Floyd uh, protests they weren't worried about their advertisers then well advertisers want an audience right so they want to be able to advertise the largest audience possible so if you provide a platform in which people would want to be a part of the audience then the advertisers will be the advertisers will be happy so they're they're really just playing into other people's agendas not necessarily the agenda that even benefits themselves that's such a good point dorian uh, one thing I would add to those of you listening, if you're listening to this, and especially if you are working class or you're poor and you're pissed off and you're fed up, pick up your phone, turn on your camera and give yourself a voice. You don't have to have a YouTube show. A lot of you are on Twitter. Pick up your camera. If you can't show your face because of your job, I totally get that. You can disguise your face. Some people do this or they don't put their face on there. But like give yourself a voice and just voice your opinion. Because yeah, I, right, Sabrina. I, I decided that it's important that we do that because I realized because you put your voice out there, it allowed me to feel like that my opinions and the things I was thinking weren't just in the ether and that that, um, you know, someone else is making sense of this too, and that I'm not completely alone in this. And the more people speak, the more, the more we realize how much we actually agree. That's so true. I mean, I know for me, like before I met the guys at RBM for a while, I was thinking like, am I the only one that's kind of sitting back thinking like things are not working out the way that they, we were told they would with this whole like progressive movement with our government. I'm like, is anybody else frustrated? Like I thought that for a while, you know? And then I met Rome and all of them and I was like, oh yes, there are people out there who are thinking the same thing, who are frustrated, you know? So I think that we need more people who are, especially those who are working class and people who are poor, we need more people like that to turn on their camera and just vent and just vent because for the people who some people have been telling us that like we're too angry or we need to calm down we need to be nicer especially towards politicians we need to be nicer uh fuck that i'm past nice i was nice in 08 when i voted for obama you see what i'm saying like i was nice oh, absolutely yeah, it's like I was nice when I supported uh, Bernie Sanders, when I supported AOC and all of the squad. I was nice. A lot of us were nice when we canvassed for Bernie Sanders and for AOC. We've been nice. Now it's time to go scorch earth. <laughs> I'm sorry. Honestly, but... It's been such a disappointing political adventure from I, I'm assuming that we must be close in age then because uh, I'm thinking about Obama. It's like he's one of the first people I, uh, you know, voted for and it's been like when you watch this political i'm like wow you don't think they can get any worse and they do <laughs> and it's like year <laughs> after year it's it really is almost comical and like it, it, it's 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 become a joke to me at this point it's so sad but 
I, I'm just really thankful that, you know, people such as yourself and I, that's one of the reasons why I plan on like trying to put my own voice out there because I have like a perspective, like more of like an engineering and science perspective about solving some of these problems. And I think they're a lot easier than, than we're, it's actually, I think the problems are easier to solve than we're making them. Yes, I agree. Dorian, thank you so much. I'm going to go to, uh, I see Ashura here. I'm going to go to the next caller, but thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to Ashura. Oh, I see in the chat someone saying, I'll pour one out for you. If Sabby is cracking a beer, damn it, I'm going to crack one too. You could hear that? You guys could hear me cracking open. <laughs> I actually just opened up a pumpkin, a pumpkin ale because it is that season. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Ashura. That's so funny. <laughs> Ashura, you're on the mic. Hello. Hello. You you didn't think people could hear that you were basically popping up like cans or bottles of uh <laughs> It's very loud. I mean, we were popping like one, two, three. I can hear them. I'm like what what's she drinking? I opened up a pumpkin beer. <laughs> Uh, before I go on the thing about the Assange thing, I was spamming the message on NBN in your chat. Did you get uh, Chris Hedges' number? Finally. Yeah, I already had his number. Really? <laughs> you were saying you didn't, you couldn't get in contact with him. That was Ralph Nader. Really? He didn't. Uh, okay, he was. He wasn't. He wasn't at the rally. Chris Hedges was at the rally, but I, I interviewed Chris Hedges already. No, I'm in Ralph Nader. No, Ralph Nader wasn't there. But uh, okay. he's, hard, he's hard to get. Um, I think I'm going to try to. I, I know Jill's really busy, but she was she was at the rally, too. Um, well, you could probably go ask. You, you could ask Chris Hedges because I'm pretty sure they're buddy buddy. So Chris Hedges might know. I think well, I think Jill knows, too. Um, how to reach him, but, uh, uh I'll, 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 I'll try, I'll try through someone else, other people because, uh, Ralph Nader is, I do know that is a hard one to get because he's, he's busy. I don't know if Jimmy, I had him once. I don't know. Uh, when you were saying, when you were asking the question, why is it Fox news was the only one there? I'm pretty sure those were like, when you talk about Fox news, what Fox news in England or Fox news, Fox news at DC. Uh, from the article, it looked like that person was at DC. Okay. Because they, they okay, had, so, yeah, they took like pictures and quotes from our DC event. Okay. So, so I'm like, okay, that's probably Tucker Carlson. Cause like, he's probably the only one. Otherwise the other host would probably trash Julian Sarge, even though they know deep down inside that Julian Sarge didn't do shit. So they're going along with the narrative and the, uh, whatever, whatever number their checks are. So they're going with that. Uh, I looked at Jimmy's channel. He basically talked about it. I was just going to tell you real quick. Uh, the journalist who covered it, his name was Landon Neon. That's the guy who reported it on, on it for our, uh, Fox News. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably Tucker's people. So I don't think the others would do it. Uh, I saw Jimmy coming in with a video. Uh, <laughs> I also checked out our favorite neoliberals, uh, like CJ like to call them... Uh, uh, he calls them uh, reformists, <laughs> reformist <laughs> Democrats, the Kalinskis, and the Crystal Balls. 
I went on Kyle's channel. No fucking video about it. No fucking video about Jimmy Assange. Only, only uh, uh, Biden is uh, is is giving uh, is eliminating like people's records on marijuana. I'm like, really? You 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 dead fucking dumb thinking Biden's gonna basically eliminate people's records on marijuana? Really? They're not. They're not dumb. Uh, Ashura. They know what they're doing. They put all these sensational videos. You know he's not gonna do anything. So why are you lying? Because if you yeah. call them out, they'll say me. They'll, me, I'm not. I'm not a fucking warmonger. I'm not a Biden bro. Y- yes, you are. Like Crystal Ball, I thought she was gonna do that because she had. Um, I think she had. She had a, a, a Julian's Julian's family on her channel, and I think maybe you could maybe remember maybe if uh, Crystal and Kyle was interviewed or it was Crystal and Sagar, but it was like very opportunistic that they were basically talking about Julian Assange. Well, they trashed Julian Assange for like. For years when they, when they were doing their fucking uh, breaking points. Yep. I'm well, like a bunch of hypocrites. Well, Crystal, I don't know if Kyle did, but Crystal and Sagar, there was that clip when they were still on Rising where they were laughing at Julian Assange. I do remember that. Yeah, I, I wish somebody had, somebody had shown uh, their family members that video. Like, <laughs> if, if, if Sagar wasn't there, but Crystal's such a fucking hypocrite. For you to go on there and interview the family and pretend like you give a fuck, even though basically you were laughing and lying about uh, their uh, brother, their, their their son. Well, how, how, this is how I kind of look at it, like for the family perspective, you know, they're really busy and focused on trying to trying to get their son out. So nine times out of ten, they probably didn't even see that or know about it. Um and then the other thing is, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know Crystal, Kyle or Sagar. I've never talked to either one of them, but I think it's it's very clear. You know, it's I think Rome said it best when he said that it's easy to appear like you're you're left when Trump is in office. But when you got a Democrat in office, are you really that much to the left? And, and that's something I've been paying attention to. It's like what happened to the talking points? that Kyle had against Obama, where he gave Obama a D or D minus, I think. Why doesn't he have that same type of energy towards Joe Biden? Well, there's no money in that. There's no money in that. The money is is to go to, is to support either Joe Biden or support the candidate, whoever the candidate will be on the right. That's where the money is. The money is not in doing what we tell you guys to do, which is, look, both parties suck. Just leave this two-party system. Because I feel like um, this whole, ever since Joe Biden won, I think the masks have melted off their faces. Uh, you can you can clearly see that they're laughing. <laughs> it used to be like a progressive smile. Now, now, the, now the face that melted off is, is showing the positive smile. So I'm just going to milk you as much as I can. And I know some of you will defend me. And he's been for for every fucking war that basically uh, on Ukraine. He's okay giving money to Ukraine. Crystal Ball's okay to give money to Ukraine. There's no there's no critique, as Jimmy says. There's no critique whatsoever. It's basically going pro pro big pharma or pro uh, military industrial complex. But then they'll pretend. No, I'm still on the left. Right, I'm still on the left. And, and, but you know why that is? It's because that's what works for the algorithm. Like if I do videos like praising like Ukraine every night and saying, yeah, we got to take you know Russia down. Looks like Ukraine's going to win this. Oh, the algorithm would be my friend. 
if you're doing videos about Russia, Ukraine, and you're actually, um, you're saying the opposite, you're saying what like Jackson Hinkle was saying, or you're revealing the other parts, like what Jimmy Dore says, where they're talking about, wait a minute, you need to call for peace. And actually Ukraine's not innocent here. The algorithm ain't really trying to mess with you. you Would well, you see what they did to Jackson Hinkle? They, it was working yeah. for him for a while and then he was mass reported. And then look, they came after him, they, they demonetized his channel. So that's what, that's the thing. So they know exactly what they're doing. These are very smart people. These are not stupid people. So they know exactly what they're doing. And I think part of the problem is, you know, before a couple years ago, where do people put their energy and their money and their time into this progressive movement, putting progressive into the Democratic Party? What happened? <clears throat> that failed. Justice Democrats failed. Not that people didn't win, they won, but then they sold out. They just decided to go along with the Democratic Party. So they can't really sell that no more. You know why? All of the progressives who ran this year for 2022, what happened to those people? Most of them lost their primary races. Most of them. Half of them, people don't even know their names. Why is that? So they see that people, that the Justice Democrats has been a failure, which Kyle Kalinske has admitted to himself, by the way. They see that, and they see that people are angry with Bernie. They're angry with the squad. Not everybody, but they see that some people have walked away from this. Okay, if you come from that Justice Democrat strategy, how else are you going to profit? How else are you going to make your money? You either going to have to shift to the left, farther to the left to make less money, or you're going to have to shift a little bit to the right. So they shift a little bit to the right towards Joe Biden, and that's how you make money. And that's how you get those big time subscribers, the people who are going to sign up for a $2,000 subscription. That's where the money is. <laughs> I wonder, like, has Kyle Kalinske really said it that uh, the the the, um, the experiment is a failure? Really, even though I see him praising them once in a while, but AOC has become basically the punching bag. So now you can't you can't say no, she's fucking up because she is. So you you have to basically punch that bag, but leave the other bags alone, so that the sand the sand doesn't pop out of them. I mean, and then the thing is, is like he's there's still going to be some defense there because remember who started Justice Democrats? It was Jink and Kyle. So of course you're going to be a little bit more defensive over a project that you started. Well, it, it's like uh, it's like the thing. Uh, what's his name? Fuck, uh, I can't believe I'm going to fucking say his name. Uh, Nick Brana basically one time basically they were talking about how Kyle thought it was Nick Brana on on a stream and he was asking. Him, you know how basically the talking point is for Kyle and Crystal is that, oh, we should, shouldn't should basically get out of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. We need to basically focus the part, to focus all the energy, keep it in the duopoly. Don't get out. Don't go to third parties because they're not going to work, which is, the, which is the fucking wax on, wax off talking point that he's basically doing. If you know the reference what I'm talking about when I say wax on, wax off. So... <laughs> Also, there's no money for them there. There's no money for them there. Like if they switched up and started like promoting third party candidates and independent candidates, they would lose a good chunk of their audience. And I think they know that. Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> who's the audience, right? I think we've all seen that breaking points, a lot of their audience members are conservative. So it's like, Does you it, tell people leave the two party system, you're talking to both sides. Yeah. Because uh, when they asked him, like, I mean, you could basically get people to basically break through the wall that the Democrats and the Republicans have 
put against third parties. Like, there's no way that if a bunch of people come together, they can't just power, basically bust through that wall. I mean, they had a bunch of these uh, referendums where you got stuff that you could never get under Republicans or Democrats, but you got them anyway. It was the people that basically got through. Got through. So what's the bullshit about, oh, third parties can't get through if you, uh, if you don't, if you don't, if, if you run under a third party, you can't get through. You're just not doing it because for you, you're you're born you're born in a womb Democrat, so you're gonna basically shit on the idea of third parties or anybody going to a third party. That's true, and I think that one thing you have to keep in mind is again, it's about who's comfortable and who's not comfortable, right? If you're comfortable, I mean, if you're a millionaire, a lot of these people are mil- these these hosts are millionaires. If this doesn't work out, they're still going to be fine financially. So I think that's that's the thing that we have to keep in mind. Like you told you guys told all these people, you know, I, I sat there and I watched. And if anybody is in in the chat and they're listening and if you canvas for Bernie Sanders or any members of the squad, please let me know uh, in the chat, because I sat up there and I watched people. <clears throat> virtually like little to nothing giving Bernie Sanders their last because they believe that he would <laughs> for them. I watch people do that two election cycles in a yeah. row. Yeah, some people still think Jay Bernie Sanders can walk on fucking water because he's he's Jewish. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna give everything. Like Bernie Sanders is what 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 is he against some kind of chairman some kind of chairman in the Senate. You tell me he you have no power? to do any leverage to, from your good friend, Joe Biden. <laughs> you, you can't do anything. And I, I was listening to him, like, basically on RBN today. It's like a motherfucker's like a broken record. Yep. You're being the same shit, but you're not doing anything because you have the power to do something, but you're not doing it because you're, you're, as Jimmy says, you're a good boy. <laughs> you ain't going to rock the boat. <laughs> you ever saw that thing when he was on uh, SNL? He was on a boat. Along with that guy, that I heard it's his, it's his cousin, really, uh, the guy from uh, what was it, Community? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the boat he doesn't want to rock, because he's on that boat, so he's okay with it. And uh, it's sad to see, because uh, if you did a little bit of research, you probably figure out that Bernie Sanders, uh, he's a warmonger, he's uh, an imperialist. I would even go so far as say Loki racist, because let's be fair, every time he votes with the party, doesn't matter where the black person is, they're getting fucked, whether it's in the country or abroad. Because Bernie Sanders is a good boy and he'll do whatever the party says. Because he's not going to basically get a backbone, because they probably took in most of the bone that they have in his back, hence why he's fucking hunchbacking a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, nice knowing Bernie. So if anybody basically uh, had, they, they basically got money from Bernie Sanders, I suggest uh, you keep you keep emailing Bernie. Tell him to get you, give you your money back. Because you were supposed to be a fighter and you end up being a coward. That's right. And you know, that would really change things in electoral politics, to be honest with you. If people were allowed to get refunds. Yeah, that's the thing. Because I, I reneged on their yeah, promises. These, yeah, because if you don't fight for what I tell you, so give me my money back. So why the fuck would I pay you uh, for every one of your every two years of my money? So you give me a refund. You're not fighting for what I say. You're not even fighting for one of them. Not even the bare minimum. 
I mean, you're not fighting for Democrats. Yeah, like I said, Justice Democrats signed that pledge. Was there any legal ramifications if they did not, you know, uphold that pledge that they signed? No, there wasn't. So you just signed you just signed a piece of paper to do what? They've already gone against some of those items that were on that pledge. So what was the point of the pledge? You actually trusted that they would do what they're supposed to do, and they went into this party just signing the sheet of paper. There but Sabby, no <laughs> but Sabby, as uh, what's his name? Uh, God, what's her name again? The black woman, uh, uh, name? Cory Bush. As Cory Bush told Bax Bumathor, it's not a, it's not their bill. <laughs> they didn't wrote that shit. So whoever wrote that shit basically means they don't, they, they got their hands are off, their hands are tied, or they don't want to touch it. Because Mama Bear become for them. Mama Bear got sharp claws, sharp teeth, so they don't want to lose. Whatever, whatever chunk of meat they, they they've gotten over the past two years, they've gotten fat, so they don't want to lose. Well, to that I would say that Ukraine bill wasn't their bill either, but they had no problem proving that. It's just an- uh, like how many how how many has it been for Ukraine, like in total, compared to how much you said to the United States, com- compared to I know Canada has sent money to it, I know Japan has sent money to. Everywhere, every rich white country has sent money to Ukraine. Like, how much money has Ukraine basically pocketed and some of them gotten back to the warmongers and the fucking military-industrial complex? I mean, you could have, as Jimmy said, like $10 billion could have been enough to end homelessness in the United States. Like, even like $25 billion should be enough, but they're not fucking doing it, I think. And people are so gullible to buy into that bullshit. They're so propagandized. I'm like... How do you people basically not just tap out? How do you people not tired? Do you still want to go march to the Democratic Party like a bunch of fucking zombies from Resident Evil? <laughs> well, and like I said, with the exception of Ilhan Omar, none of the other members of the squad, what, what, what is their view on Julian Assange? They don't even talk about it. They don't even talk about it. But what is it? Why are they there? Like, if, if they're not even going to <clears throat> to do that bare minimum... Come on, man. They won't I mean, you said it. About it. It's a joke. I mean, I mean, you said it before. If you're in politics, you're only there for one thing. Build up your wealth. Build it up for your family. Build as much as you can. I mean, Pelosi is going fucking what? She's 90-something? She's, she's about right. to get She's what? I think she's in her 80s. Uh, if she managed to be in 100 in Congress and managed to survive that number and Basically, pocket. She'll be the richest 100 millionaire that ever existed. <laughs> the fact that she. Why did she run again? As old as she is, she's past retirement age. Why didn't she just retire? Why? She's still there to keep the status quo. That doesn't make any sense. Same thing with Diane Feinstein. This woman is old. Retire already. All I'll say, all I'll say, I'll say, because all those. Uh, Independent media people that you used to like, they're all basically trash now. They're all basically sucking off Biden's cock right now. So all of them, they're, they're Democrats. They don't care. They're Democrats. The same ones, like Jink was heavily critical of Obama. Kyle was critical of Obama. And they are incredibly soft on Joe Biden because they realize this is what they got to do now. Because there's no, see, this is the thing. Now you're in a period where there's no Bernie campaign. Let's be real. Bernie ran twice in a row. So a lot of people, they made their money off of those Bernie campaigns. At the same time, there's no progressives, no Justice Democrats that really stand out 
the way that AOC and them did. And most of them lost their primary races. So what else are you gonna do? Like it's like if they want to keep that money, that money roll coming in, that's what they gotta do, and that's what they're doing. They're willing yeah. to sell out, and some people may say I'm being too harsh for this. I disagree. They are willing to sell out working class and poor people, tell them things that are incorrect, lie to them in order so they can keep their wealth and maintain their status level. So that okay. they can maintain one like being millionaires. And that's a problem. I'll say one last thing before I go. Uh, why, why are those PMC people so fucking focused on the federal level and not the local level? Because I, I, I saw CJ did a video about like calling uh, Crystal Ball the PMC representative, and uh, and that and she was on the Vanguard, and then the Vanguard boys like they they, they probably could go join uh, Breaking Points if they want to, because they, they seem to like those people. Um, they, they, it was a softball interview, and there wasn't a point where basically she said. Oh, we need to stay in the party. You don't need to basically go anywhere else. Uh, where else do you need to go other, other than the Democrat Party? It was like softball after softball answers. I'm like, you're right. I'm like, even CJ, like, what, CJ, that, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> that makes no, no fucking sense. I think you have to understand what people, the background of where they're coming from. We have to remember Crystal Ball was a congressional candidate. She did run for office. So that's where her, her eyes were headed. That's what she was looking towards in her career, was a career at some point in politics. And well, people that, that, forget that. that. They forget that she ran for office, but she did. She ran for office and she did not have a progressive campaign. Now, her, now people's politics do change, but I'm just pointing that out there for people to understand that she did run for office. So you have to look at it that way. Some people, I'm going to be honest with you, again, I'm not... I wasn't born yesterday. I've been around the block. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of these people who are still pushing this uh, this strategy, I really think yep. that they're trying to do this so that they can get, if those people win, number one, they'll either get access to those politicians if they win, which failed with just Democrats because look, they don't have access to any of them. Those people got in and they pieced the fuck out and said, screw you to independent media, right? Okay. Or they're hoping that they can get a position on their committee if they win. That's what this is really about. Okay. So I'm going to hang up, but I just want just one last question. Why is it they're not changing course? Like, if you can't win on the federal, go, 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 go win on another venue where the Democrats are not going to be bothered to come for you, like the local level. Because there's not as much money in local. In local politics, there isn't as much money. There's more money on the federal level, and they know that. There's also more status there and they know that. So like if you work for a mayor, that's one thing. If you work for the gov governor, that's another step up. But if you work for a congressman or you're on the committee of a congressman or a senator, that's a big deal. If you're a part of a presidential administration, that's a big deal. So this whole push for Marianne Williamson and a lot of them are friends with Marianne. Let's be real here. They, they gonna try to get something out of this deal. Ain't nobody just doing this just to be your friend. <laughs> Like that's that's my take on it. Um, but let me go ahead and bring in Amanda. You are the next caller. Hi, Sabrina, Fabby. Um, I I know that you're doing pretty good. I'm enjoying the conversation as always. Hey, I've got a question for you. 
How does it make you feel as a journalist when you see what's happening to somebody who's been a truth teller and all of these other whistleblowers and the kinds of threat? Because I, I, I really see you as a journalist. You're out there in the world and you're bringing it to an audience with a, with a really strong sense of integrity in what's important. So I'm just curious if you have how you have thought about this and and how it might impact you as a individual professional. It's worrisome sometimes because I just wonder like when they're if if they're going to come after all these platforms and say that's it we're shutting all of you down. Uh, that's why this issue with Julian Assange is is so incredibly important. It's not just about WikiLeaks. It's also about the fact that they are silencing someone who is a journalist and they could do that to any of us, right? So I think that's that's problematic. That's why it's frustrating when you have other people who are independent journalists that won't even talk about it. They won't even mention his name. It's like this taboo thing. And it's not everybody, but... There are some of them where they've either made fun of Julian Assange or they've ridiculed him. They've used these same mainstream media talking points, whereas like they could be affected as well. And as soon as you think it won't be you, guess what? It will be you. So I think for me, it's, it's just my goal is just to educate people uh, the best way that I can. And I tried to do that when I worked in higher ed and I realized that there were there were a lot of like constraints there. You know, there's a lot of, of uh, micromanaging and you have to go through so many different levels just to get a yes on like one particular issue. So the people at the top control the narrative in higher ed, same way as mainstream media. And so for me with independent media, I made a promise to myself that I'm not gonna let anybody, I don't care how big they are, tell me what I can or cannot say. And if that means that I lose access to them, then I just lose access to them. And that's and that's part of the problem. I'll be honest with you, Amanda. Some people are not going to say what they truly feel because they know to play the game and to maintain access to certain people, they have to hold certain positions. And you've seen what's happened to some people that have spoken out. Like we all saw what happened with Jimmy Dore when he was, you know, upset with the squad after they didn't force the vote. And I think we all remember that iconic uh, video where he, he was yelling and he said they fucking ran on it, right? They fucking ran on Medicare for all. And then some people yep. party games, like after that, they were just like, I don't want to watch Jimmy Dore anymore or I don't want to talk to Jimmy Dore anymore because he's against the squad. And, and, and so that happens sometimes. But the question that I would pose to people is like, why are you more upset with a commentator or a journalist for telling the truth than you uh -huh. that didn't do their job or did did things to to make those truths be revealed? I wish more people were more upset with Hillary Clinton than they are with Julian Assange. And that's what really kills me is you have people who are, are Democrats and they're going to support her and back her regardless because she's a Democrat instead of looking at what she did. Instead of looking at the U.S. government and the war crimes and the way that they have killed innocent people abroad, instead of being angry with the people who have actually done the harm, they're angry at the people who revealed it. And that's really upsetting. And the same thing goes for Edward Snowden. Same thing. I think we have a right to know that we are being watched. 
I think we have a right to know that they were they were actually watching people through people's cell phones, through their computers, whether you had it on or off or not, that they are collecting information about us. We have a right to know that. Otherwise, we're just puppets here. Well, and and really, they should be getting a search warrant and and all of that. And I I want to second the opinion that that paying attention at the local level really does matter. I mean, there's there's obviously there's reasons why you need to pay attention at the federal level, and why it's important. But you really each individual American can only impact three of those 535 people directly by voting for them. And so you can definitely have a more impact, you know, locally. Maybe we need to start a hashtag, like don't kill the messenger kind of, that's more pithy than that. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm a writer, but I, that's not my, that's not my forte. Maybe there already is one and we just need to blow it up. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I, 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 I mm, go ahead. I was just saying, I think that's a good idea because it's true. A lot of times people get mad at the messenger. I mean, like, I mean, give me a break. Like Edward Snowden can't come back to the country. Like this, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, so I just, I, you know, and I'm surprised he's still uh, alive. To be honest with you, I am surprised Edward Snowden is still alive. Yeah. Well, maybe he's a facsimile. I mean, I, 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 I think that man did some amazingly brave things. It's crazy that it fell so flat. You know, there was a time in, in the 90s or the early 2000s when I heard a story about how oppressive North Korea was and how they had all these starving people there and it was horrible. People wouldn't leave. The, they weren't allowed to leave. I mean, I'm like looking around right now in the United States. I mean, we can kind of leave. I mean, besides COVID, but I'm gonna. Can I? Can I just end on a on a positive note? Do you are you familiar with um, are you familiar with the United National Anti War Coalition? Yes. Do you know they're doing a week of action, October fifteenth to the twenty second. I did not say no to us. Say no to us wars. I put the link in the chat. I think maybe I didn't. I've been, I've been totally pimping this, this event, this week long event against war, against NATO, against imperialism. As soon as I discovered it yesterday. So um, if I didn't put it in the chat, I'll put it in the chat again right now, but, but it's, um, there's several cities, and if there isn't an event in your city, they encourage you to start one. This is the same kind of um, structure that 350.org used when they did their Day of Climate Action in 2009. If your city isn't having one, mine is in Oakland on October 15th, Saturday. There's a lot of a lot in the Bay Area. There's some in Canada even. Um, you can go to the website that I'm going to put into the chat to get more information about if there is one in your city already. And if there isn't shoot, just get a couple of friends and a, and a pumpkin ale and grab yourself down there to, with some signs for peace. That's my, that's my pitch. And then I'm going to let you get to the rest of your callers unless you have questions. Thank you so much for that, Amanda. Um, just one question I have for you. 
Um, how do you feel about the turnout in reference to the Assange uh, protests? Like there was over 5,000 people in London. There was around 200 that showed up in DC and Medea Benjamin and Missy said that's the most they've ever had at an Assange protest in DC. The, I think it's amazing. I think there's more and more people who whose eye I'm not going to say they're woke, but I'm say their their eyes are more opened because of when the when the Democrats took over the presidency, things didn't change, and mm-hmm. the, the kinds of promises that have been made that won't get filled. I I think more people are willing to be skeptical. Does that answer the? question i'm not sure if i'd answered the question i agree yeah Yeah, i think that's the point like not much has changed and we have new leadership and a new party it's just like we're not a new party but a different party and not much has changed in people's lives right we're not any i mean it's we're actually worse off most of us i mean I, i i am not a pmc and and i am not a person who i mean i don't know I don't know what I'll do if I lose the job I currently have because right now I'm on, I'm on snap benefits as it is. Fortunately, I have a place that I can crash so that I'm not homeless, but the kinds of assumptions people will make about me as I move in the world, I, I am not in any way complaining as a white woman who's 52 years old, but it is a very, different place to be when you want to be an activist because I feel like sometimes I must look like the guy that's the narc at the crystal method show you know what I mean (laughs) but that's not me because that's not me because I've been an activist my whole life my I was I was I started the peace club at my catholic high school it, 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 I, it's, it's been a thing for my whole life. And, and so it just feels weird because it's a lot of younger people and I just don't want to feel like I'm glomming on because that's not what I want to do. I, so that's why I call in and that's why I try to share this kind of information because people should have one in their town if there isn't one. Make a sign sometime next week. Go out and stand on the corner even by yourself. Every single one makes a difference, makes it easier for the next one to do it. Mm. That's my pitch. Thank you for having me on your platform. I appreciate you, Savvy, really. Thanks so much, Amanda. Okay. It looks like we got bad cookies in the lineup here. We're going to bring in the bad cookies. I've never had a bad cookie, actually. I wonder what that takes. Greetings. Can you hear me, Sebi? I can. Have you ever had malware? What's that? Malware is a Trojan software that they use to implant viruses into your computer when you click on emails sent to you. Oh, wait, is that that little pop-up screen that appears on my computer sometime and it's like... This could be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, those are bad cookies. That's where I got my name from. Oh! Okay, that makes sense now. I thought you meant like the cookies that you eat. That's why I was like, I've never had bad cookies. <laughs> no, everyone gets that mixed up. How are you this evening, Savvy? I'm great. Um, you know, it's it's nice to be back home, but I gotta tell you, like being at that event in DC, it like 
every time that I go to like an event or something like that, it really does. It just like inspires you more and more. Right. And then you want to do more and more of them. <laughs> oh, right. Especially since you came back from data and followed that up with this Assange protest. That's, that's very good work, Sabi. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. And that Camp Dada video should be coming out this weekend. I've been so busy. I, I started editing and then I had to pause. But <laughs> yeah, it's that's one thing I will say about like activism. Like once you go to if you haven't done it, guys, go to one, go to one event or one protest. That's usually how a lot of people get that spark and that energy. And then you just want to go to more. I swear to God, Seb, you're a bloody mind reader because one of my questions that I have here is about that. So let me get started because I have several of these. Uh, my first question to you was, how was your experience across the three days um, that you were at the protests? Any ideas or any like any anything you experienced there that you haven't already shared with us on your show? One thing, because th there was so much to unpack, I will say one thing that really stood out to me about this particular protest is that there were people there of all different ages. Some people had their kids. There were people there of different races. So it was a little bit different from some of the other protests. Like for example, the police brutality protest and the solidarity protest. I went to a solidarity protest in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This was right after, I think this was right after Mike Brown. Do you remember the, um, the police officer that, shot mike brown the the kid that had his hands up yeah the uh, hands up don't shoot kid yes yeah um there was a solidarity protest event in cambridge and i went to that one and that one was it was a little bit different because we all were locking arms and things like that but it was definitely younger group uh for the most part it was mainly just young adults that were at that type of protest and i've noticed that with a couple of the other police brutality protests um it's usually uh younger people um and whereas with this particular like the julian assange one all different ages different races very different um and i think what was really interesting to me is that i met people there who have been doing this for a long time they've been protesting about assange for years but also you know there were people that were just like yeah you know my my parents were activists against the vietnam war so it, it was a little bit of a different crowd um but I, I thought it was just great how all of us could just come together and and what was also good about this too was that it was right there at the justice department so it's like listen like you're supposed to be the department of justice but where's the justice with this particular situation um so that that was interesting Another thing that was interesting is there were, it's DC, so tour buses do go by, and there were tour buses that went by when we were marching, and you could just see, like, one of them stopped at the red light, and everyone just looked over at us, and they couldn't, there was no way they could not see it, because we had that big yellow Free Assange, like, uh, ribbon, so it was just like, that was something that I thought was really, really, really great, uh, whereas, like, other ones I've gone to, Usually we just have signs, but that was, there was no way you could avoid seeing that yellow ribbon that said free Assange because it was that long and that big. So that really gets the message out. Um, but one thing I will say is everybody was just so 
nice and caring. And you could tell that the people there really, really care and really, really want change. Um, I will give a huge shout out to all the activists that organized that put this together. I don't know how in the world, because I got to tell you guys, organizing is not easy. I don't know how in the world they were able to get all of those speakers together. I mean, like you got Chris Hedges. I think Chris Hedges is in New Jersey. So they had people like Chris Hedges, Scott Ritter, Gar Garland Nixon, uh, um, uh, Kevin Gostola. Kevin's co coming from Chicago. Matthew Ho was coming from North Carolina. Like all these people and, and big names like, you know, Jill Stein. And like, you got all these people to leave their respective home states to come to DC for this protest. And I don't know how they did it. I'm just gonna be honest with you because it's hard sometimes putting a panel together. I'm just gonna be honest because people's schedules are so different. Um, so I really applaud them for that. And that is one thing I will add. I think if you do have like bigger names come out and I wish it wasn't this way, but I will say, I think having those names, like the bigger names made a big difference with the turnout. Absolutely, Sadie. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. Um, my next uh, question for you is, um, again, since we were talking about uh, activism, I'll share with you a quick little story of when I used to be an activist in my young 20 years, long time ago. I was uh, protesting uh, the Iraq war. I didn't want, my friends were joining up. They were trying to get the GI Bill under the Marines and I didn't want them to get sent off to die. And that's exactly what fucking happened was they all got sent out to die. Now, when I protested that, I did it three or four times when I was younger. It was cold. It was a, it was a very good experience, but I didn't feel any energy. I felt like people were doing it just because it was a trendy thing rather than caring about what they were doing. Now, my question to you is, I've already had that experience. And usually when I tell other protesters, if it's going to be their first time, I tell them, my tips for them is don't bring any form of identification unless you really need to and don't bring any money or credit cards because the cops will take that if they arrest you. Now, is there any other tips that you would have for first timers if they want to join this type of uh, protesting? Because I, I feel right now is a lot of good energy for protests of this nature. Yes, uh, I will say make sure that you eat beforehand. And by beforehand, I mean like right before you go to the event. Even if you've had breakfast, make sure you eat right before you go to that event and bring snacks and water. Now, this event was a little bit different because Misty and the other activists like Suzanne, they actually had tables set up where they had like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts coffee and, you know, bites to eat for people and stuff like that. Most protests I've been to, there is no pro food provided. So like you have to bring your own, like if you want to pack yourself a little sandwich and bottle of water, like usually there isn't food provided. Um, so, and I have seen on TV, I saw one before on TV where they did have food provided during the George Floyd protests and the cops came and they basically flipped over the table so the people couldn't have the food. So always make sure that you bring something to eat with you just in case, especially if you're the type of person where you might have issues with low blood sugar, just make sure you have that with you. Um, also, depending on where you're protesting, I know this is going to sound like uh, taboo, but use the bathroom before you go to the protest, like, because you may not have a place to pee. I'm just being honest, like, so no. do that. Um, make sure you're hydrated. 
and make sure that you wear comfortable shoes. Even if you are a speaker, don't show up in heels that you can't stand in for a couple of hours. Like comfortable shoes, shoes that you can walk in that aren't gonna like hurt your feet or anything like that. I always tell people, unless it's summer, bring like a light jacket. Like I, I wasn't gonna wear a jacket that day. And then I was like, holy shit, it says it's about to be 60 degrees today in DC. That was crazy. Cause I was like, I'm further south <laughs> than Massachusetts. And for that day, for whatever reason, the high was 60 and it was windy. So I'm glad I did bring a jacket. And you'll probably notice that in a lot of the, you watch the video, a lot of us had on jackets. Um, so always bring that. If you have sunglasses, you can bring those too or whatever's. But um, you're right about the ID. That's a big one, especially if you're going to like a police brutality protest. You want to be careful about that because they can take that from you. Now they got your name, they have your address. So you want to be careful about that. And if you're trying to organize a protest, you need to check with your city or town to see if you need to have a permit. This is something that some people don't do when they're trying to protest for the first time. They just think they can just go out in the street with a bunch of signs and stuff and you can do that. But the cops can come and tell you, do you have a permit? No, you don't have a permit. You have to go. In Boston, you have to have a permit. Um, so I'm assuming in DC where we were, I'm assuming it was a permit because Misty had the police officer block, uh, police officer block off an entire lane for us to march. That's cool as fuck, Savvy. Thank you so much. Because that bathroom one, I forgot all about how hard it was to find a bathroom you can use, and that sucked. So that's a great one. I should have thought about that one. But um, uh, I wanted to... Uh, speaking of Misty, my next question is about Misty. She had said that uh, I believe it was in another interview, she had said that active, activism is a very expensive thing, that if you're going to do it, make sure you have the funds for it. Um, how do you fund grassroots activism without financial connections? How does someone like a regular, a regular working person fund activism or even get the connections to reach out and spread the word of said activism? The best way to do it is to have a GoFundMe page. That's exactly what they did for this event. Uh, they posted it on Twitter. I know Misty, I think she had it pinned to her Twitter page at one point. Um, and I say GoFundMe instead of PayPal because PayPal sometimes will hold the funds. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone's aware of that. But if you get a certain amount of, of donations, PayPal can hold the money and not release it until they're ready. I don't know what that's about, but they do that sometimes. But if you have GoFundMe, I think the goal that Misty had, I think the goal was like 5,000 for this event. Um, and then you'll have to post it on social media. That's a big one. Social media was a big one for Misty. And also Misty went on Jimmy Dore's show to promote this event. And I think that also helped a lot because that's a large audience, right? Now, if you can't get on to someone's show to promote the event, you really want to rely on like Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever the kids are using these days to promote um, to promote activist event. But if you can get on someone's show, like independent media show to promote it, that's a really good way to go.
because like and you if you could get on someone's show with a large audience so like misty came on a lot of people's shows but i think the biggest one was jimmy Dore. yeah unfortunately we all don't have uh outlets like that but you're right uh i guess we reach out with the resources we have right um yeah, but the uh, resources that you have and um ask people multiple times on Twitter to share. That's a big one. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you about that Harvard protester, that Harvard protest. I like how the, the Harvard protesters shamed uh, Miss O'Sullivan, the, the warmonger. Um, I wanted to ask you, would organizing across universities nationwide, work shaming, other professors that are also of that type be something even worth pursuing? Absolutely. I think that some people might be surprised at, and it's not all of them, but some of these professors at these universities, their connections to the military industrial complex. I think some people might be surprised. And I say this because a lot of times these professors, they'll have a website on the university site, just like Megan O'Sullivan did, or this information is actually on their CV. But like I said, a lot of the students don't even read that stuff. So they don't even know. But I think I will say, like I said, there's a, a certain type of student that attends Harvard that they're usually from the PMC class that attend there, not all of them, um, because there are students that go to Harvard that come from working class families that have been offered a full ride um, because they were just academically brilliant, right? But most of the time, they're coming from money. And a lot, of they, a lot of them don't care. A lot of them don't care that people are being killed abroad. They, they care about America being the best. They want America to be number one. It's just like what Sagar and Jetty said in that clip that Indie News Network played, where Sagar said, I want America to be biggest, the best empire. I want it to be the only one. It's people like that. So I would say, instead of like just focusing on Harvard, and granted, this is where we are, right? So most of the colleges here in Boston and Cambridge are private universities. I think the only public one is uh, UMass Boston. But what I would say is to also target some of those public universities, target those state schools where a lot of the kids that go there got financial aid. Target some of those schools where the kids are on, um, where they have work study. We should also target, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sabby, go ahead. Oh, where they're coming from families that a lot of the families are either middle class or working class. Go to some of those public universities like the University of Michigan, University of North Carolina, uh, you need to target those schools because I think those students, one thing I will say, I've done both. I went to a public university and I went to a private university, public for undergrad, private for grad. And one thing I will say, at the public universities, you get a whole mix of people, a whole mix of students coming from different income levels, right? So you're going to get a mix of ideas and opinions too. And so some of those students that are sitting in those classes might be kind of like, wait a minute now. Something's not right about this. Their reaction may have been a little bit different than the Harvard students. You see what I mean? Absolutely, yes. 
No, no, I agree completely. Because uh, you could even do things like that at like um, a lot of the the tech company, uh, tech companies, tech schools in California are just as corrupt. Like uh, USC, uh, uh, California Tech, a lot of those places uh, are just funneled straight into the um, Silicon Valley uh, monopoly they got over there. But it's 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 all crazy about trying to like get that out of uh, the education system because it's deep seated in there. And like you said, a lot of the kids, from my experience, a lot of those kids really don't care. They're just trying to get by and get their, their slice of the pie. But I think there's some that would listen. Yeah, you're right. And then, and then there's some of them that go to Harvard just because of the name. <laughs> they Absolutely. just want to be able to say they went to Harvard. Like I've, I've encountered those, those individuals as well. But I think that I think it's important for people to realize we also have to point out these professors that work at MIT, you know, they kind of get get a pass because they create, they invent a lot, right? They come up with patents, which is, is really important that you need to have. They invent a lot of, a lot of things. Like I've, I've met professors at MIT that have done uh, tremendous uh, work. And you would never know it. If you met them in person, you would never know like, holy shit, this guy invented what? You'd never know that because a lot of times they're just mad chill, right? Those are brilliant people. Yeah. But some of those professors are in bed with some shady companies too. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I know Colorado People News mentioned the Koch brothers. Yeah. You got to know like at MIT, there's a building called the Koch building. Mm. That's, that's funded by the Koch brothers. Well, I got one last question for you, Sabby, and then I'll I'll get off the call because uh, I'm backing everybody up here. Um, I wanted to talk about Assange since we were protesting Assange. Uh, I believe the the U.S. will have accidents with Assange if they ever bring him to the U.S. Do you think there's any way to protect him other than? hoping that they just deny his extradition and hoping that, you know, there's, there's something that hiccups so they don't extradite him. Cause I am, I am not putting it past our government. As soon as we get him here, I'm almost guaranteed that man is dead. I agree. Um, I'm sincerely hoping, I'm hoping that this big event that happened at the parliament on Saturday will wake up the parliament and for them to just say like, okay, Maybe we need to just let this go. You know, hopefully that. I know that's wishful thinking, but when you have that many people surround the parliament, I mean, that's that's very telling. So hopefully it does not get to the point where he's extradited back to the United States because I agree with you. I think if they send him back here, I think he's done. I don't even think he would make it to the trial. But if he did make it to the trial, I will say this. I think there will be a lot of people protesting in DC, like way more if that trial was to happen. But again, I don't think he would even, I don't think he would make it to the trial. I I am a hundred thousand percent in agreement with you there. I have said that repeatedly. He won't, he won't make it to trial. He will get Epstein in his, in his, in his little cell. He'll, they'll kill him. And I'm a hundred thousand percent sure Hillary Clinton will be present there watching him die because she is that vindictive. He literally took her her make-believe crown from her and she is mad about that. 
So um, I really don't like that woman. Does she not realize she was <laughs> going to lose? Just I, I want everyone to understand this. Hillary Clinton was going to lose with or without WikiLeaks. The woman <laughs> yeah, is not yeah. likable. She can't. You she cannot be elected. But in in that little DC bubble, everyone is about her because of how powerful she is. So she's surrounded by yes men. So in her mind, in her little world, everybody loves her and everyone wants her to to take control. But it's not the reality of what's real in the world. But uh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Savvy. Have a good night. All right, you too. Thanks, bad cookies. Okay, looks like we're going to bring in Dave. Dave is on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hello? Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. When you said, uh, when I heard you'd cracked a beer earlier, I got like, I don't, I usually don't have one, but I, I had a, I had a Guinness in the fridge. So I, I cracked that, but I think I'm, I think I'm okay to make uh, some kind of talk. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I was I was following along with what everyone was saying it's pretty, it's dark, really dark times right now. But um, you guys are cover like what you've been covering there is um, especially uh, repping on Assange this weekend and um, and also the other talk about broad political strategy. I was really uh, it had me uh, it had a lot of things per you know. It, got a lot of things sort of going in my mind here yeah i mean i think um you know this whole ordeal i have to tell you guys most people that i've spoken to have no idea who julian assange is mm. and it's still yeah. kind of shocking to me but they really yeah. don't and i'm just like wow like you know, mainstream media has really failed on this issue, really failed. I mean, there's it's it's actually like a it, I mean, it's pretty much a formal blackout. I mean, there most of the organizations will not allow his name to be said by any of their uh, on on camera uh, reporters or or. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in reference to that blackout, too, I've seen this done before by media. Um, if we look back at the 2020 presidential campaign, uh -huh. and Nick um, from RBN can testify to this as well. When Nick was canvassing in South Carolina for Bernie Sanders, did you guys know that some people in Bernie Sanders, uh, excuse me, in South Carolina didn't know who Bernie Sanders was? That's wild. The media did a blackout of him at some point. I, I can't remember exactly when, but I do remember this happening. They realized when Bernie Sanders was polling at, in first place yeah. in the polls, which was ahead, Joe Biden, Kamala, all those those hacks that were running. Um, <laughs> they, they, they were trying to smear him, right? But what they realized is the more they talked about him, even though they were smearing him, the more his poll numbers started to increase. So then they decided to do a blackout. Yeah, didn't they? They pretty much. I mean, they were all the all the editors and the execs said no, no coverage. I think. Yeah. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm it's. I, yeah, I mean, I can't. People, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy to people like us because those of us that were heavily following like the primary races in 2020. Like for me, I was just like when yeah. I talk to people because my parents. Um, 
my parents my parents live in south carolina when i was talking to my parents and like my mom was like my friend doesn't know who bernie sanders is i was like what <laughs> like how is that possible are you kidding me but then oh I realized my god I think about omg it, like, yeah yeah like we were watching a lot of us were watching independent media right they talked about bernie all the time but if you were only watching mainstream media if you saw them talk about bernie it was in a negative way and then there was the black <laughs> right you know what's funny is i like of course me being like as much as i follow these things like many of the people here really do, like, doing it a lot like i caught the alternative media like from like taibi to you to to like rbn to other other people like i caught them mentioning how much like people like katie helper and others like i caught them i didn't i never see mainstream news usually because i don't have cable and i maybe catch some videos on the internet but like i, I was watching them mention how like taibi and Halper and others how little the like how little uh sanders is being covered and how uh how the race is being covered i sort of i saw a lot of it through jimmy i was watching some jimmy Dore videos at that point i was i was probably the poorest i'd ever been in my life in like 19 20 and I'd been involved in, in politics for so like political stuff for so long at that point that I was really jaded and like I knew Bernie Sanders from you know from growing up in Massachusetts and no like in, in the 2000 Nader campaign that's when I first like there were people that also were working for Bernie Sanders at that point in Vermont and my brother moved from Massachusetts where I grew up to Vermont so I was like anyways I was just so jaded on politics by the time of the primary that and and the the sanders campaign locally they fucked up quite a bit like on the ground in boston sort of along i won't go into it now but along the lines of like jimmy Dore's main comments on that which were that they hired a lot of corporate people or very people like pe people to manage the campaign locally in a lot of the cities where he didn't have a like boston but also but also just things i saw when they like I signed up for his, his alert list on the, on my mobile phone. And they were, the things they asked me to do were just so ridiculously useless that like, so I wound up, I wound up like basically telling the, the campaign to fuck off, but I was still like in February and March and before that, but I was still, I was still depressed when, when he dropped out April 8th, I was like, oh my God, the federal government is definitely gone now like mm -hmm. when he dropped out you know what i'm saying i was still depressed about at that time i was i knew that he wasn't what people were saying he was even like people that had the most positive attitude or that the best possibilities with him but what but the what once he caved like at the time of, of nevada um i was uh I, I was like oh my god this is gonna be bad like the amount of poverty we're gonna have to face the next couple of years yeah so yeah yeah and i think some people some people who criticize us for not wanting to do the strategy anymore i think they don't they don't think about that part that piece that you just mentioned like how disappointed we all were right or how sad some of us were like when he yep. actually and i'll be honest with you guys i'm just gonna be real after super tuesday i was like eh, he's not gonna win yeah super tuesday was his big moment but the, the fact that bernie was already telling people to vote for joe biden before he'd even suspended his campaign that to me was just like 
That was before April, before he suspended the campaign, he was saying that. That was crazy. That's, I mean, that's like, that is actually like, you know, that is like, I felt that was treasonous to the, to the, to the U.S. public, you know, and the people that, and like Nick, who knocked on all those doors for him, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That's the thing. Like, for those of us that were, for the people who were out there in the streets doing the work, for the people who gave their last $5 to Bernie Sanders, the commentators who were criticizing the rest of us, they don't understand. They, they don't know what it's like to see that happen. Like somebody give their last because they believed that Bernie Sanders was going to fight for us. And then just to see him say, yeah, you know, we'll vote for Joe Biden because we got to get Trump out of office. It's just, no, you're just a sheep herder. And I think Jesse Ventura, you know, proved me right about that. When he told me mm -hmm. why I asked him at the beginning of his 2016 campaign, if he lost to Hillary Clinton, if he would start a third party movement. And he said, Bernie Sanders told him at the beginning of his campaign, no, I will be supporting Hillary Clinton. Oh my so gosh. Go. That's yeah. That's so depressing. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, I think, I think, look, I, I think, I think Bernie Sanders for bringing the message to the table. Right. But I think when I think about something that um, Delthea said, sometimes you got to take what you need from people, take what you can use from them. That's the right. Good points. That's and then right. Just leave the rest. That's the good point right. I take from Bernie Sanders. He brought the message to the table. Other than that, yeah, there's nothing else. There's nothing else there for me. I, I think so. I think I think I think that's uh, I think that's right. Yeah. I don't know, like on the issue of left, like, you know, left resistance now, I mean, I was going to say something, I was going to pick your brain on that or say how, see how you felt about that. But I mean, there is, there are a lot of different, when I was coming up, like there were maybe at the time the bad cookies was or whatever, you know, I probably started getting involved in 99 in like this kind of resistance. So, but you know, there were, there were groups, like there were socialist groups and there were like there were socialist groups, there were anarchist groups, there were um, there were some broad organizations. There was, you know, and I, I'm just not sure what that looks like right now. I mean, it seems like a lot. There's been it seems like a lot of new uh, convergences sort of have been organized. Um, but I don't know what to like. I could make a lot of comments about stuff I'm aware of, but I don't want to. Uh, I'm not sure it's, you know, I, I haven't been as involved recently, so I don't know what it looks like. I think the stuff that gets news is the, like the armed, like the, you know, on the one hand, on the one side, uh, uh, Antifa, like broadly Antifa, which is a lot of, is a lot of different things, but, and then on the other side, the like more like militias that are bearing, that are bearing arms, you know, which could be Antifa too, but um, I'm not against uh, just bearing arms exactly, but I'm not, I'm not trying to organize one here, but that's, that gets a lot of the publicity. But I, I think there are a lot of new groups, like even like when, like when I first heard the name Fred, uh, Fred Hampton leftists, I thought you guys were like a thousand member socialist group of some kind. That's what I thought it was <laughs> like before, before I knew what, uh, what RBN was. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 
I think people should look towards like groups like Socialist Alternative. And I shout yeah. them out a lot because I will say the difference between them and a group like DSA, and I, I'm not here to crap on DSA. I think DSA on a national level is not a good organization based on what I've I seen. agree with that. <laughs> yeah, they've fallen apart completely. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the local chapters are better. Like the local chapters have been pretty good, but I can like to compare the two because Socialist Alternative is actually doing work on the ground. Socialist yeah, Alternative yeah. is trying yeah. to help. They're trying to help people in the community. Same thing with us at RBN, whereas DSA, their main focus and strategy is electoral politics. Socialist Alternative is like, how can we help people in our communities? And then as an activist, as a Marxist organization, maybe someone from this, this group, we can elevate them and nominate them to run for office, even if it's a local office. And that's how you got a Shama Sawant, right? She didn't want to be a career politician. That wasn't her decision. Uh, you yeah, you ain't lying. They, they chose yeah. her. That's right. That's right, Tabby. That's right, Tabby. And, you know, I, I was close to that because I know, like, I, I, I came up with her camp, her campaign manager, like her, her main campaign manager is a guy, he's a, he's a Boston, uh, he's a guy that grew up in Boston. And I used to, I was at demonstrations with him 20 years ago, uh, Brian Kaloris. But so like, so, you know, I heard, so, and, you know, we were hearing about when she ran first ran for office, I was hearing about it from him and uh, at that time. And, and, you know, so yeah, Shama is a good example. I think a, that's a good example of like a socialist collective type group, but with a, that has like a very sort of a various, but like kind of a national presence um that's not but it's not like dogmatic in the way of some like uh uh, uh sectarian s groups that are more sectarian than socialist alternative but they've what, what they've done in terms of elected politics i think that's i think that's the best example of like a, f a fighting left resistance that's in uh that's in a city council uh someplace mm -hmm. i agree um and I know some people here that are in the Boston chapter for Socialist Alternative. I've met people yeah, that are part yeah. of the New York chapter for Socialist Alternative. I just haven't joined because I don't want to be disappointed by another political organization again. I've, yes. I've been through yeah. it. That's and me. And I'm afraid <laughs> if I join, I'm afraid it'll happen again. And this is not to, you know, talk down about Socialist Alternative. I don't know what it would be right. like. But I just I don't want to go there again and then just be like, oh, man, here we go again. Another co-op. Like, I just I can't. <laughs> I, can't. I hear you. It's, I can't be a part of another group just to see them get co-opted. And I'm not saying they would, but I can't I do that. Can't. No, it, it's hard. It's but you can see the but like both you and I, I mean, I'm sure like you, you can see the political out the political contours of Socialist Alternative, right? You can see how many members they have. You can see how much influence they have different places you can see what they're doing on the ground so like you could make a you know if you're very political maybe like me or whatever you'd make a calculation whether it's helpful is it helpful to you to where you are to join you know to join that organization is is there any reason to and you know for me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna join like a a, a thousand member so, like national socialist group I'm not gonna uh, national in the sense of broad like, I'm not going to join a group like that, probably, because 
unless there was some compelling reason to do so, you know? So. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think it's also, I think the larger the group, the harder, like it is like the national yeah. level groups, just, I, I don't know. Some of you um, that are listening, you may have had experience with this at some point or another, but these, some of these national like organizations, I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, they do some crazy, they do some crazy stuff sometimes. I think, you know, even Socialist Alternative, I've seen them do um, stuff like, like they feel like they have to and have, they have to take up that space of being the national level and like making a comment on things. And then from their line, from their party line. And I think they, it's very, it's very hard to do that in the United States with a it's a group that has a, a, a politics like socialist alternative. So right. I don't know. I agree. Well, Dave, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller, which appears to be Putin. What the? All right. Thanks, okay. Abby. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, is this, I don't know if this is a real caller. Uh, Putin, you're on the mic. I think this is spam, you guys. You have to unmute. Bad cookie said troll. Okay, yeah, because I don't, I don't, I can't hear this person. Okay, Putin. I'm, I'm bringing in the next caller. Cryo, you are the next caller, just have to hit unmute. Do, do, do. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, hold on. Let me, hold on one second. I wasn't ready. I was, I was waiting for Papa Poo. <laughs> I know. Like I don't know. He didn't say anything. I was like, I don't know if this is a real account. <laughs> oh well. I was. Oh well. All right. Uh, yeah. Hi, Savvy. How are you? <laughs> I am great. How are you? That's good. I am hanging in there. <laughs> I really wanted to meet everyone at the rally, um, but I just couldn't make it. Um, well, hopefully next time, and hopefully it's not another next time where we're doing another action for Assange because Assange is free. I hear you. Um, I hear you. Was there another rally at DC for for him? What mm -hmm. I was not it? for him. Okay. Um, the other one was there was one in London that had over five thousand people. Right. There yes. Cisco. There was also one in Denver. There was one in Australia, and there was one in. So I don't know if this was actually a rally per se because Roger Waters was performing, but I think from what I heard from people was that. Roger Waters was going to have, there was still going to be Assange activists at his concert. That's right. what I was told in Dallas, either Dallas, Austin, I don't know, one of those uh, cities in Texas. But, um, and then there was also one in Canada. I'm trying to remember where in Canada, I forget, but I thought there was one there too. I think there was one in New Zealand. Okay. The other rally that was in DC that same day though, was the Women's March. So you did you see a big presence there? At the Women's March? Yeah, at the Women's March, yeah. I didn't go to that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was at the same time. Right. Yeah. 
see i would go over there and try to recruit people to come over to <laughs> that's to a good idea <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i just wanted a lot of people had already said a lot of things about assange and i just wanted to kind of add to the mix that you know a lot of times they'll try to say that he's a hacker and like oh my god you're a hacker like you're the worst person alive you know and there's different levels of being a hacker you know white hat gray hat black hat all the hats that you wear as a hacker um but you know i think assange is more he's not a hacker at all he knows how to use a computer he knows how to do what he needs to do on a computer but receiving information is not hacking it's receiving receiving hacked information or information that quote unquote may have been hacked is not hacking getting a person uh going on onto google and googling a um key gen for a um a movie site uh so that someone who's in solitary confinement or doesn't understand what the next step for them and i'm speaking of Chelsea Manning, who was, you know, very vulnerable and didn't know what to do when talking to um, Assange and WikiLeaks. Uh, you know, the only thing that he um, computer related that he helped her with was getting a key gen that you can Google. It's publicly available, <laughs> uh, you know, at a pirate site so that you can uh, uncrack a, a movie, a DVD uh, bin file. And that doesn't mean anything. Like that's like, that's like um, back in the day, there was that, um, that program where we would all download um, MP3 files from, which I forget the name of, <laughs> but it's the same concept. I mean, that's not hacking. That's going on. That's somebody else's hacked work that they have, put up on the internet for public availability uh, it, you know so you'll get these people on cnn and all these other um fake news outlets that say oh he's a hacker he's a terrible person people um go into cybersecurity to get jobs as hackers to try and find vulnerabilities for other companies to improve their software or they just learn how to do it and they themselves make a profit off what they call zero day um, uh, zero day um, vulnerabilities that they'll, you know, hopefully get some money for um, finding a vulnerability in a piece of software. So it's yes, Napster, I see it in the <laughs> Napster was a big one back in the day. But you know, so all these things, these, these third hand things that you know, you use as, as a, you know, someone who just wants to get access to media to content you know it's like putting it's like going to your grandma's house and putting a wallpaper up on their screen and you're suddenly a computer genius and so because people don't understand the way that computers work or the way that you know uh, our education system here isn't teaching um, people at certain levels how to use a computer what a computer is used for and the very basics you can do something for somebody that's so rudimentary and they'll think that you're the you're this like super guru you know and that's how they take they portray him that he 
did this thing. He got this password for somebody when really it was just like a, a run of the mill key gen that I think probably she wasn't even able to use anymore because it expired. So <laughs> it's, it's just, it's such spiteful. It's spite. It's all spite. The way that they treat Julian, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry if I'm getting loud. <laughs> um, they treat him with such spite and contempt and they treat us with such spite and contempt that they'll just, just throw this garbage out there about people, about people who tell the truth about things that we're supposed to know. And everything, every step of the way, every step of the way, um, since he was, his Ecuadorian um, embassy room was turned into a prison by Lenin Moreno, uh, you know, his government that betrayed the people of Ecuador, um, you know, ever since then, everything has been just like this level of spite coming at childish I'm just gonna, you know, we're gonna do this to Assange because we can, and we have to show everyone that he's, you know, a terrible person that, um, you know, and you shouldn't do anything that he has ever done, and 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 we're just gonna lock him away, and and he deserves it, and these are the reasons why because he got a key gen and gave it to Chelsea Manning, <laughs> or he received uh, information that may have been hacked. <laughs> well you know what you mentioned chelsea manning and that's an example to point to because i did see that chelsea manning was on someone's show this was a couple months ago uh on independent media but that's an example of someone who was a whistleblower but they're free chelsea manning's free not saying she didn't go through a lot i'm sure she did but she went uh, she she's free and she was going back on media you know to talk about what she went through as much as she can tell yeah you know and the aspect of that that i think um we have to remember about chelsea is they put her into solitary confinement and she tried to kill herself more than once and you can only like wonder belmarsh prison is I mean, any prison is, is bad, but I'm hearing lots of terrible things about Belmarsh and the treatment that he's getting in there. And he looks like hell. And what is the point? What's the end game of treating a person like that? Like, I, I just can't humanly understand what, mm -hmm. it, what it is in, in somebody that you think that they deserve to be treated that way. Um, That's right. Well, first of all, I am you know, 100% against solitary confinement. Yes, and of course. Talk about prison reform and they, they talk about prison reform like often, but that's something that needs to go away. It's inhumane. It's not just, uh, it's, it's torture, basically. Right. Yeah, my, um, I just don't get it. And, and, you know, they use him as he's, he's a, just a game piece at this point for their little games and, you know, and it's, and it's, it just really makes me mad that like everyone here has, that's called in has said, you know, no one really knows who Julian Assange is over here. And, you know, I don't, I don't understand after all this time, 
even the articles in the regular news, how you could come across somebody and says that and say that they don't know who Julian is. At least give me a line of propaganda. Does he register to you as a line of propaganda at least? And and it doesn't. He he doesn't. He doesn't even register. And you know, none of them do. Not not Mumia, not Leonard Peltier. You know, mm. it, it's they don't register to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I know that like um, when I first told my parents about Julian Assange, they didn't know who he was either. And so I mentioned WikiLeaks and they're like, my dad was like, yeah, I heard about WikiLeaks, but for whatever reason, the name didn't resonate with people. And I think yeah. maybe that's a part of it. But I have noticed like with a lot of younger people, they know about it. And I know this mm -hmm. because when I, I told, um, you know, my former students, um, they knew about, I told them about the Julian Assange protest that I was going to be speaking there. And they were like, Sabrina, we're so proud of you. This is awesome. Like, da, da, da. They know who Julian Assange is. When, yeah. when I told my former students about, you know, the whole conflict that I talked about Israel and Palestine, cause some of them watch, watch my show. They right. know, they, they know these things. They know that the Palestinians are being treated badly. They know who Julian Assange is. They don't agree with Julian Assange being tortured and Julian Assange being jailed. So it's like the younger groups are are hip to this. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media, especially if you're on Twitter. Facebook right. might censor it a lot. But Twitter, you could easily find Assange things on Twitter. But a, a lot of the people that I've spoken to, particularly my parents' generation, they don't know who this is. Yeah, but when you tell true. them, you tell them what happened, then a lot of times they're like, oh, holy shit. Well, this is crazy. Or some are like, they don't want to, they regret knowing about it because mm. they really, there are some people that have a lot of faith in the United States government and they don't like hearing that our government did bad things. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know it's it's, it's, oh it's a reaction. I think a lot of people. Uh, someone earlier, I think the first caller mentioned Carl Young, and they feel that shadow creeping up on them. Like they know, they know that there's things going on. Obviously, they know, but <laughs> but that would, that might hurt their their either their way of life or you know their philosophy on life, and. Um, so they just push that shadow back, back down <laughs> and, you know, it's, I just always think like when your government is putting, uh, people into these conflict zones or starting conflicts in places all over the world, that's you, that's yep. you over there. You have to put your face in front of the family that just got blown away. You can't just sit here and think, well, that doesn't matter to me. My, you know, I'm not involved in any of that. You know, you, even if it's not even true anymore that our tax dollars fund it, we put the people in place, whether it was 16 years ago or 50 years ago, that, or 200 years ago, you know, that 
we put them in place in position to be a part of the, the government that sends or a parallel government that sends these creeps all over the world. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, if we're talking about the CIA, definitely creeps. <laughs> mm -hmm. And to to just to to meddle in everyone's affairs just so that we can desperately keep a hold of our position and now the entire rest of the world that you know including nato allied countries don't want to be a part of this anymore they and they no one wants us to be a part of that you know that aren't part of the nato alliance they you know more and more they're speaking up at the un and you know a lot of you can't you can't just think that you know it doesn't affect you and here's the thing for for people listening once you know about these these events once you know about these issues and you know what's going on you can't unsee it and yep. then you start to question if everything else that you have been told was actually even true yep and that's hard that's a hard thing that can leave you sitting there for hours just thinking about it you know yeah and someone I know people have mentioned Edward Snowden in the chat as well and I think the difference is that number one Edward Snowden is not in prison right two, he's now a Edward, Russian citizen <laughs> exactly two, Edward Snowden has done interviews Edward Snowden has is on Twitter he has a Twitter account right and Edward Snowden there was a movie made about him called Snowden right so I think that's why more people know about him like he still will do interviews he was on democracy now i think that was just a couple months ago yeah i don't i don't watch them anymore so. <laughs> if julian assange is ever free i bet you they won't well for his safety purposes he probably will never want to do an interview you know i don't know you know i i i don't i shudder to think of his state of being you know i hope that he could speak out and i hope that he would be able to do that with some modicum of safety but i i'm really really upset about his state of being right now it's, it's yeah a disaster. i found out he's COVID now too yeah i can only imagine how his family feels yeah you know and that's another thing too, when his father and his brother came to the US, I think this was last year, they were doing like media tours, right? How many people had them on? Besides the, our side of the fence? <laughs> yeah, I think the only other person, and this is not me trying to praise Tucker Carlson, I, I still think he's ridiculous as well. Right. But Tucker Carlson had them on. Yeah. Did anybody did. from CNN or MSNBC have them on? Nope. No. I think Amy Amy Goodman did have have them on. Mm hmm And they were open to doing interviews. Like it's just so it's 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 very telling that they don't want people to hear his side of the story. They don't want right. that side heard. So yeah, I mean, you know, props to Edward Snowden because he's just like, look, <laughs> I'm gonna stay well, right here in Russia. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had much of a choice, <laughs> but 
I mean, they took his passport away uh, from him while he was on the plane trying to get to, I don't know, maybe Ecuador. Um, and, and Assange helped him. Assange was one of the people that was trying to help Snowden. Yep. And I wonder too sometimes about people like, like Glenn Greenwald. Like, I know he doesn't live in the U.S., but sometimes I wonder, like, is it safe for him to come back here and live? I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I don't know. I don't know if he's on that um, that list either. But um, I'm sure he's on plenty of lists. <laughs> but I don't think it's safe for him, you know. And it's very questionable uh, what happened to his husband over there too. So what about that? Yeah. So we're in a, we're in a, I'll, I don't, you know, I hate to leave it like that. We're in a, we're in a, in a country that I like to call the belly of the beast that does everything for spite. And you're sitting there in the belly of the beast and, and, and a child that needs to have, um, a, a talking to a sit down and that sit down, it's might end up in international affairs. <laughs> I'll put it just like that, you know, like, I don't think that it's going to resolve that we're gonna, I, I hope that we, we can resolve it here on ourselves on our own terms. But, um, you know, the UN is drafting a treaty um, to get people to the table. It is, are the, is the US going to come to the table? You know, we know Putin would come to the table that, you know, they tried to do this in Istanbul and they walked away from the table and, you know, that went out the window on the Ukraine side. No, so true. I don't know, you know, what NATO aligned country will next is it tell um, Zelensky that he's not allowed to come to the table for peace. And it's all, it's all for spite. It's all for desperation. And it, the people who cheer this on, and and I just keep like the last week or so, I, I'm I'm in my brain is um, Mark Hamill of all people, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with this picture of uh, you know the the U the Ukraine flag on a on a rebel squad ship, and I'm just like, you know. How has it come to this? How has it come to this? My entire childhood of Star Trek and Star Wars, all those people, not all of them, but a lot of them, they turned me, like, after looking at their Twitter, I never wanted to join Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Uh, after looking at the Facebook, a couple of Facebook pages from them, I'm like, what is this for? You know, I, I don't understand Facebook. It, it's just a bunch of disappointment to me. So I never, I, the only place I come to, I come here, I come to YouTube, um, but I, I can't bring myself to, to make a Twitter account uh, and mix myself in with people who are either just a bot or I know a lot of you are all there and I'd love to join you and I read a lot of your tweets, but <laughs> I can't, I can't make, bring myself to to see tweets from Mark Hamill about how we should be um, backing <laughs> Ukraine. 
Well, good for you. It is wild in Twitter world, okay? It is wild over there. I remember I tried to get my um my dad to join Twitter and he was like, "What is this place?" And <laughs> <laughs> some crazy people on Twitter. I'm telling you guys like and you know like some of these accounts are just straight up bots like the account will say joined October 2022 and is following right. one person and has zero followers. Right. Like what? <laughs> yeah, and I'll look at at like every time someone does a report on Ukraine, I'll look at the the comments and there'll be like 10 or 20 people saying, "Oh, this aged well. That aged well. This aged well." You know, and it's all like a sarcastic comment from some kind of Ukraine bot. And I look, you know, I'm looking at trying to look at the profile when they joined. And a lot of them are from 2019 of, of all years. I think they just repurpose bot accounts and because you can rename it to whatever you want to rename it to. And they just repurpose these, these, you know, bulk bot accounts, bulk, bot, you know, bot um, programs and just hook them up to the latest AI and and off you go. I think Reddit after uh Aaron Schwartz uh what happened to him, rest in peace, uh he um Reddit was purchased by I think I forget who bought it, but it was someone also um who was some kind of um hedge fund and they I think it's just a breeding ground for, for bot, you know, bot training. And cause the conversations that people are having on Reddit, they just cannot be real. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, so I don't know. People no, I totally hear you. <laughs> I, I totally hear you. Like Mark Hamill, look, I'm a star Wars nerd. Okay. I love star Wars. And I think that's where Mark Hamill belongs. Like, yeah. don't get involved with the whole Ukraine Russia thing. Like, I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, what? And you'll see these accounts on Twitter. And I saw one the other day and it just made me laugh. How do you have a Ukraine flag in your bio next to a Palestinian flag? Like, that <laughs> makes no it's sense. It's the current thing. I support <laughs> the current thing. <laughs> That's all it is. They're, they've turned their brain into bots, you know, or they're not running their, their own account. But that's the other thing I, I can think of is maybe someone else is running their account. Yeah, that's another thing too. I, that's something I wouldn't let someone else do because yeah, I just you don't get trust that. You get, you get savvy Sabs, Palestinian flag, Ukraine flag, <laughs> uh, Taiwan, Free Taiwan, uh, the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I see where Pilgrim said in the chat, Twitter is a madhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Cryo. I'm going to go to All the right. next one. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Looks like we're bringing in Omar. You are on the mic. Hey, Sabi. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. I've, I've been, well, I've had issues um, hearing my audio. 
I can hear you. Okay, good. <laughs> it, I, it just makes me start to feel conspiratorial when I'm bringing up a bunch of um, controversial topics and all of a sudden my audio is terrible. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody brought this up about um, AOC's interview with Jeremy Scahill. And when she was asked about uh, Assange, did, did anybody bring that up? I don't think so. Yeah, she did an interview with um, Jeremy Scahill uh, in 2020, late 2020. And Assange came up uh, and she just said that she had some considerations and concerns about him. And <laughs> it just says so much about her, uh, about her just falling in line with uh, Mama Bear, because uh, you can't, I mean, how can you not call out war crimes that are done in our name? Like, like you can put aside, like, even if you want to, like, pay attention to these allegations uh, that, that were in Sweden, you know, but like, the war crimes, like people getting murdered, like, that's done in our names, like that, is the important thing that that like that he was trying to convey uh and and expose and yet she you know i don't know what she was referencing um like if she was referencing like you know him being blamed for uh hillary losing or but i mean the this the big story is the war crimes uh that that are being done without our consent and our name but um, it just, when I saw that, and then I've seen her do interviews with other people when they bring up Israel-Palestine, and she just gets, like, you can tell how uncomfortable she gets. Like, she just cannot keep it together, um, and she just kind of devolves into word salad. There was this interview that she did where she was just, she was asked, like, well, how do you think we can bring peace? And she just was saying oh we need to pay attention to the what but uh we've been paying attention to the what but we gotta now pay attention to the how and you gotta center people's <laughs> right i was like what is this word salad you're saying nothing with so many words it's just yeah it's just sad it's so sad <laughs> and i know some you got people, like some people are not good on foreign policy yeah. And I know we all have like our, our strengths and like our weaknesses, but you're better off just actually like you're, if you're asked those questions during an interview, you're better off just saying, you know what, <laughs> I'm not, you know, a hundred percent knowledgeable on the subject matter, but I'll at least look into it instead of doing the word salad. Cause Kamala Harris does word salad too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. With Kamala, I don't know. There's something to the quality of her voice that she sounds like a little drunk. Um, like she sounds like she's had like, she like was, you know, drinking wine and she had a little too much and then forgot about like uh, an important interview she had to do and she was caught off guard. <laughs> but you have to ask like, is there should be someone that's prepping them for interviews? Yeah. Like typically there would be someone prepping them for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I posted a couple of comments on uh, it was Snowden because I think Amanda brought brought him up and she uh, said that she like expected the the country to just be up in arms and I was I was in the same position too I when I first heard about the story that's all I could talk about for for months and I was posting on Facebook and just trying to tell everybody to get the word out and nothing came out of it like this is this is a bad sign that Americans are that disengaged uh that apathetic or that that docile uh that they just take something that um scandalous and, and not have like huge protests uh where you know they're covering the streets of every major city it's it's just it says so much about about americans um and it's sad it's sad to say that um but you know it's still going on we talk about it in the past tense and it's still going on like our communications are are being processed in bulk and who knows what they're doing with that like they try to say like it was for terrorism but a bunch of experts have said it's they're they're just gathering so much information that it is it is not useful they cannot process that kind of information out when they're trying to like quote unquote stop terrorism with that information and and what people have said is that they are collecting that information just to have have it so that if you become a problematic uh resident citizen uh they can just go and and you know use it against you um and uh the the video i posted is um glenn greenwald talking about this and it's it's from seven years ago but it's still like such a powerful speech that he did um where he's mm. just talking about how when these things happen outside of our awareness as citizens uh it is it, it just renders this a shadow of a democracy like there's we we need to have an informed citizenry in order for it to make decisions based on that information and if there's no transparency in the government then we really don't have a democracy um so i, I sent it to you as well in a dm um yeah it, it, it's just yeah. uh disturbing <laughs> i think you know what um Omar, part of the problem could be that that information has also been suppressed. Um, so I don't, I don't want you to think that, well, maybe people saw it and they just don't care. There's a lot of suppression that goes on in social media. You know, obviously, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has talked to Joe Rogan about this uh, pretty recently, yeah. but um, they will change the algorithm in a way so that that type of content, like Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, um, Daniel Hale, Mumia Jamal, They'll change the content, the algorithm, so that that type of content is suppressed, so less people see it. And the less people that see it, the less people are going to know about it. So that is is something that could be happening as well. Um, but you're right, like the access to our information, like, are we paid for, you know, sharing our data to Google? No, we don't no. get a cut 
in that. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of us, when we started using like Google as a search engine, we didn't sign up for that or we didn't, <laughs> we didn't know that that was happening. Right. But another thing I'll tell you guys too, that you need to be concerned about. And this is something that I think people do without really thinking about it. When you go to a retail store and they're the, I point to them because they're usually the ones that do this. You go to a retail store and you get to the cash register and they ask you, would you like to join our email list? Or would you like to at least sign up for that or become like a rewards member for free? All you got to do is just enter your email and then you'll get discounts and updates when we have sales. Don't do that. For people who are listening, don't do that. Stop giving your email address to retailers and other outlets that reach out to you that are selling products because it may seem like it's harmless. Just like, okay, I'll give them my email address and I'll know about sales and things like that. But then the next thing you know, you start getting emails from people that you didn't give your email address from. Yeah. You'll start yeah. getting it from other businesses. So they're sharing your information. Just be careful yeah. with that. Oh, shout out Case. Case study is here, guys. <laughs> Hi, Case. Yeah. Um. I'll. Yeah. I'll, I'll let hey. you go. <laughs> hey. What's up, Omar? What's up, Chad? What's up, hey, Case? I wish I could have came through to the um this weekend. Um, but it's my my son's birthday, so I I can't uh, leave him <laughs> stranded. But um, I have a question for you, Sabrina. I was curious, what do you think? Because I saw there was just, I, you did an excellent job with the footage and everybody had footage of the event. Um, why do you think it was so successful versus a Medicare for All, a March for Medicare for All that happened a couple of months ago? I'm just curious, was it, and my, if from um, far afar, I saw all the people that were involved and I was like, wow, that that's what made me even more excited that I would have wanted to go. Like you were there, um, um, all the other speakers, um, man, the lawyer that Dozinger, I, I think that I can't think of right now. It's too late. But uh, there's so many people that were there that I would have definitely wanted to make a special effort. I wonder if that was the case. Do you think that's why so many people showed up? But anyway, let me give you that question. That's a good question, Case. I think part of it was the fact that there were, I would say, several big names that were attached to it. Mm. So you, you had like Chris Hedges. Exactly. Uh, yep. Reverend Annie, Jill Stein. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I think it's the first time I saw Jill Stein and Chris Hedges like together like that. And then mm -hmm. um, you also had um, uh, John Kariaku, um, who mm -hmm. he was actually a part of our anti imperialist summit. Uh, Gavin Gastala, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, and then so you had Dan Cohen, you had other independent media um journalists and commentators that were there but mm -hmm. the the names made a big difference i mean like garland nixon was there mm -hmm. um so that was a big part of it but the other hey, garland thing, nixon has his own radio show right also yes and so yep. he probably advertised to his people too that's right and then the other mm -hmm. thing was um misty went on multiple shows to promote it mm. And I think the biggest show she went on was Jimmy Dore's show. Now, granted, that was promoted. March for Medicare for All was also promoted yeah, um, yeah. on the Jimmy Dore show last year. But I think the difference mm -hmm. with this one is that it was a global event. Mm -hmm. There was also the Assange event in London that had over 5,000 people. 
surrounding parliament. So mm-hmm. that was the difference. It was like, this wasn't just one event that was in DC or was that it was in different cities in the United States. It was global. Mm-hmm. So you had international journalists in London um, mm-hmm. promoting this event. You also mm-hmm. had journalists in Canada because there was an event in Canada promoting it and in Australia. So it was global and everybody was tweeting about it globally. So mm-hmm. that same day, Julian Assange was trending on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that was the yeah. goal. We really wanted, we were like, we have to do a tweet storm mm-hmm. so we can get um, more people to know about it. Mm-hmm. I think that made a big difference. Difference, okay. And then on, unfortunately only Fox covered it even after all of that um, news. They were the yeah. only mainstream media that showed up in DC, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know they were there. Like, mm-hmm. but apparently they were because mm-hmm. <laughs> he had pictures and, and quotes and yeah. everything in the article. That's why I was like, wait, he was here? So mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's interesting. Um also another thing I will say I did notice about this one. Are you familiar with Ford Fisher? No. Ford Fisher, uh he he does a lot of, uh, I think, documentaries. Um, he's on Twitter. You should definitely follow him because he got mm-hmm. a lot of uh, footage. Mm-hmm. But um, he was there, and he has a large following on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I think he used to be like, I think he did like documentaries for Hollywood or something at some point. Mm-hmm. Like he, I forget his bio, his Twitter bio, but Lord he was there um, reporting on that information. Uh, right Brain TV. They're the ones mm-hmm. that did the documentary about Rome, mm-hmm. RBN. They were there. People mm-hmm. came across from across the country. I met a girl that I interviewed. She came from North Dakota. Mm. And, wow. and to your point, to your point, Case, why couldn't we get people to come across the country to come to the march in DC this year? Yeah, yeah. I, I always suspected that it is because we, you know, people tend to come out when they see that, oh, okay, wow, this event is really being supported. Meaning that you have the Jill Steins, you have the Donzingers, and you have all the, um, the, the Chris Hedges. And when you have these, uh, you know, whether people like me saying it or not, these, these are all leaders in their own right of the left. When they all come together, and then they're promoting in, on their different venues, like uh, Garland uh, Dixon. You know, um, you're promoting Savvy, and there's people going around. That's why that's why companies have spokespeople. You know, literally, so that they could go around and speak and and promote um, different events. Just like um, I don't know who came on your show. Um, I don't know if it was um, I'm trying to remember her name, but um, that's why you go around on different shows and you promote. You know different things. When I did um, People's Gauntlet, I think I went on your show, I went on Humanist, um, I think Humanist Report, I went on David, um, uh, the National, Rational National, just, and that's what I did. Uh, um, the, I went on Jordan Chatton, a different, you know, to promote that. That's what you're supposed to do. And I'm not saying that the March for Medical Fall didn't do that, but um, I'm trying to, you know, think of a case study of how this was so successful and then how we can even um, expand on that. You know, in the future, especially for March for Medicare for All. They tried. Um, I, I know um, 
there were some big names attached to the March for Medicare for All last year, but we just weren't all in one space. Like I know Jimmy Dore was Jimmy Dore, Jackson Hinkle spoke at the marches, the march in LA. Uh, Marianne Williamson uh, spoke at the march in DC. Um, so yeah. there were some like big names attached, but I think um, you know this year when they did a DC, it was the the turnout was very low. Like very low. And you're right. Like having those names attached to it does make a difference. Like that really does bring people out. It's true. If you have like a Jill Snyder, Chris Hedges, people are going to want to tune in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It just makes it official, you know, and and that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully one day that if we can imagine all of our, um, you know, huge indie outlets out there just come together you know, the um, Brianna Joy Gray and the, the TYTs, the RBNs, the Rational National Humanist Report. Uh, if we can all come together around one event, like how much more people would come out for that event and that we can even have a bigger impact that maybe MSNBC would um, cover it. You know, the, the Jordan Charity and Status Cool, all, all these different. So I'm, I'm still holding out hope. I know we all have our scrambles and disagreements but um hopefully we could unite um definitely among around medicare for all you know something like that I'm yeah well well jordan usually will cover it like he mm. he may not always necessarily be able to to attend um mm. but I, I know i think he's covering the amazon the next the amazon strike right now um so he the thing with him is like he can't be obviously in multiple places at multiple times but mm-hmm. he'll usually, if anything, he'll at least mention it, um, like on a mm-hmm. show or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. the problem is, is getting onto those larger platforms that mm-hmm. will, that have like a really large audience. And the only one that will let us come on to promote this kind of stuff or direct action Jimmy is Jimmy. Is Jimmy yeah. like mm-hmm. Humanist Report, um, you know, they... <laughs> that's a no-go the tyt affiliates will not let us come on to promote direct action um i don't mm-hmm. even think t i don't think if i remember correctly i don't think jink uger was in support of julian assange i have to go mm-hmm. back and check but i don't i don't think he supported that and then um mm-hmm. the other one is is breaking points just imagine we had yeah, breaking two, points too yep go two, ahead yeah, we had about 200 people there but just imagine how many more people we could have had if breaking points had let misty come on to promote this but they mm-hmm. won't let her come on to promote it because there's personality differences there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the whole- I didn't know that, okay. Like, wait, Misty yeah, would- the whole, the whole action gets shut down or it gets dismissed because you don't like the person that's doing it. So, mm-hmm. wait, Crystal doesn't like Misty? Sagar doesn't like Misty? Both of them don't like Misty? Or Misty doesn't like them? <sighs> Hi, Sinway. Hi, I'm trying sorry. to a, a way of explaining it. It's just, there are certain, there's been a lot of, people call it infighting. I'm like, whatever. There's been a lot of disagreements with people on the left, um, oh, yeah. on Twitter, whether it's on stream or on Twitter. And mm-hmm. some people, it's been decided that there are some people that they will never bring on. Regardless, yeah. even if you, it's just about an action, an event that you're doing, which I watched them do that Julian Assange panel where it was Marianne Williamson and Crystal and like all of them, they'll do a panel with, with those people because those are their friends. They're considered acceptable. But why aren't you doing a panel 
with someone like Misty, who is probably one of the most dedicated Assange activists that I know. Like she talks about Assange every day. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's personality differences. There are people that it's already been decided when we talk about gatekeep, gatekeeping mm -hmm. in the space, it had always been decided that there's certain people that will never be given that platform just because of personality differences. And this is why the left does not win. Because if you can't, you're, you're not willing to put aside these personality issues that you have with someone to promote an action that technically on the left, all of us should yeah. be in favor of this No, 100%. Of uh -huh. um, then then yeah. that's a problem. You're, you're isolating certain people on the left, and particularly it tends to be a certain class. And that's something that mm -hmm. I've noticed, and those of us have talked Classism. about that over at RBN, right? Like you can't isolate the working class and poor people in this space. Yeah, so as brought up before, the uh, managerial class and the intellect, um, the liberal educated taking over not all of them but it's a good number which class with the worst the working class and i uh okay so last night i've been trying to see if i could start like okay i brought this up in the past and it's been a while since i brought up on colin though of direct more direct action and um and, well, apparently, I was hoping that, I don't know, Poor People's Campaign, especially the one that, a branch that started in uh, my area of Central Maryland, I was hoping, because of how their, their origin and well, kind of what they did in the past, but, but I get, but when I shared my idea of, like, doing some kind of mutual aid and asking, are any of the branches of the poor people doing mutual aid, I got a response that said, oh, we focus more on policy, and we support organizations that, I mean, are you kidding me? I, I just, my, I was not able to contain my disappointment over the phone, because I've been doing, been doing a lot that's more about pushing legislation, especially on CNL, but and I was hoping, again, I was, could just do some actual direct action. And what's maddening, now, the community I live in is very, like, town, suburb kind of place. And a lot of the direct action organizations are in Baltimore and D.C. Making me wish I was in D.C., well, especially uh, just for the... Also, along with the sake of, like, having a shorter drive to my work. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did notice that about the people, the Poor People's Campaign, that I had that, that same experience, that at the end of the day, they were trying to ask Democrats to, to do something. Yes. Instead of just focusing on poor people. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, and one well, of the members, she's, like, part of the policy uh, group, she's like, uh, she's very much into like getting Democrats in. She's like, she's like more willing to give Democrats a chance. And I'm like, I am way past that. Like, and she gave me some excuse like the Republicans are blocking. And like, are you kidding me? I was just, yeah, yeah. But 
Yeah, like <laughs> being poor, it doesn't matter if someone is on the left or the right, you're still poor. Yeah, I mean, I should have <laughs> said something like the people that are poor, struggling and about to be ki- and or about to be kicked out of their house do not have the time to get a majority of the right Democrats into office. There no. is no time. I should have said that over the phone, but uh, I was in the moment. But yeah, I personally wish I could have gone to the the free Assange rally, but I did see the stream. Your what your speech was really good, along with Chris Hedges, and I think it's only you and Chris that I I was able to get the speeches for. Uh, so I see the speeches. Hello, uh, Chris Hedges. Um, Chris Hedges did the last speech, mm-hmm. and he so he closed it out. And I was like, I'm glad that they mm-hmm. had him go last because uh, that that is hard to follow up with. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to go after him um, or to speak after him because his speech was just like so spot on. Like he he killed it. I gotta tell you. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that you know. I think in order for this kind of thing to be effective, like going forward in reference to how do we continue to increase like the numbers is like some people got to put ego aside. There's a lot of ego and yes. I mean, a lot of that I never thought that I would see. You know, you can't say you're fighting for working class and poor people and you won't talk to working class and poor people. You got to put the ego aside. And I think as much as people criticize Jimmy Dore, that is the one thing I will say, that ego doesn't seem to be there. I mean, anytime he's willing to to collaborate with people who have smaller channels, I think that says a lot. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's just, I mean, that's a big part of it. But like I said, some people have ego. They're like, they think they thrive off of their name and their brand. And they will only talk to or associate with people who are on that same level with them. And that's not progressive. No, that's, no. that's not left. That's why we don't, that's, this is exactly why we don't win because you have people and CJ calls them the PMCs and it's not everybody, but you, you have people who are part of that group and they only want to associate and collaborate with people in that group. That's mm-hmm. the problem. And, and that's what I love about it. Brianna Joy Gray with introducing um, RBN to the Rising um, audience. And, and we had some very entertaining, I don't know the numbers out of those when um, you were on there and when Nick was on there, but they definitely got some material because then they brought over that other guy that was from Venezuela. So they got good material out of, of that and good discussion. And and I mean, it, it, that's what we need more of, you know, us hooking each other up like somebody came on your show as a guest and somebody else can say hey sabrina i saw you had um jill stein can can i get her email and he says sure i'll you know i'll ask jill stein if it's okay and then i'll give it to you you know that kind of collaboration is what we need and then the last thing i'll say is i i saw one time on um jordan chairman's show that um richard wolf was on his channel and he told he said that um, the the center left, the left, and the far left came together and created a government. I forgot what country. I really have to go back, and I really meant to clip it. And I think I was planning on clipping that for the next promo and 
Sabrina is still coming. I know you wanted me to include RBN in the next promo. That's coming. It's just take some time. But um, yeah, yeah. So so that's that's what we need. A collab. Imagine, and it's hard to imagine right now. Imagine like Elizabeth Warren supporters, um, Bernie supporters, and then Green Party supporters just coming together and collaborating on a march for Medicare for all. You know, right now it's kind of hard to imagine. But I think once we get to that point, we know that we're in a stronger place. Yeah. Also, uh, okay, I didn't watch the video, but uh, Jordan had like a video about something about I I don't I again I didn't watch the video of whether or not it's an update on the railroad workers decision. I should have watched it, but I was wondering if any of you happen to know hurting updates because that could be a great opportunity, especially if the railroad workers decide. Nope, this deals, this deal shit. We're striking. I mean that. that yeah, yeah. Right I'm trying. So my goal is to try to see if I can get one of them to come on, because I did see that update, and the update that I saw said that they did not reach an agreement. So the All right. to strike is still a possibility. All right. Well. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah, not to mention it, it was part of the title of the video, so. Well, um, may, perhaps it could be, be uh, get everyone of, well, us, center-left, and other independent parties rallying around behind it. Especially if you got all the left-based parties being about, like, for workers, workers' rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like job treatment. No, I think I think it's a great idea, and especially in reference to workers' rights. Like, I think that's another area where I think all of us on the left could collaborate because I think we're all in agreement on that. Um, in reference to like workers' rights, but I think I, I want to use an example. It's like uh, where Pilgrim brought up music. And think about the people we may not have been introduced to if it wasn't for collaboration. And I'm going to use a bad example that a lot of people probably going to be like, oh, God, no, not that example. But who introduced us to Justin Bieber? That was Usher. (laughs) And I had to use an example, but it's true. It was Usher who introduced us to Justin Bieber, right? Who introduced, you know, Puff Daddy. Oh, God, that's not a bad example. But Puff Daddy introduced everybody to Biggie. And other artists who are no longer with Puff Daddy because he, apparently he's not a good producer keeping people. Um, but Puff Daddy introduced us to Mary J. Blige. Like it's things like that. Like you see collaborations in the music industry all the time, all the time. You see in the entertainment industry, you see it with movies, you see it with TV shows where people get together and say, yeah, let's, we decided to come together and do this project all the time. You just don't see it like when it when it comes to like journalism, particularly independent media, you don't see a lot of that collaboration because there's a lot of gatekeeping and people want to have access to certain people and not want to give other people access to that people. And it's it's territorial. And that's something that needs to change. It's just like people. I think there's some people who are actually afraid if they do collaborate with someone else. Or particularly someone else that they they know might be good or is given a different message, then that will cost them some of their audience. But it shouldn't be looked at that way. People should yeah. be able to share audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you hear um, we 
on the left have a mantra where we say people over profit, right? But un unfortunately, I think there are people on the left who they need to have the mindset of people over subscribers or people over careers, you know, especially um, our candidates, our so-called progressive candidates need to have that in mind, people over my own career, because they, unfortunately, they put their own careers in front of the people, you know, where they don't stick their necks out or they're too cautious or they don't go to a Julian Assange. You know, how many um, politicians were at that Julian Assange this past weekend? Nobody, I'm pretty sure, right? Sabrina, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody probably went there when they should have went there to represent um, and, and to show support. So none of the as, major, none mm -hmm. of the major politicians, at least I think Jill Stein has Savvy mentioned at some point. Uh, I'm talking about people in Congress already. Like, okay. In Congress. Then, yeah. yeah There's no major, uh, mm -hmm. congressional person. So that that's was very there. unfortunate. Yeah. That's, that's super unfortunate, but also when, <laughs> when they care about their, own audience and maybe the amount of money they're making from their Patreon is very risky. And to a certain extent, I need to be um, a little bit sensitive because where from where I stand, I don't make any money from my activism as Case Study QB at, at all. So um, I'm, I'm coming from a point of view where I don't have to rely on any money or for, to feed my kids and to um, thankfully I have a, a job or whatever that I can, um, that I don't have to worry about. This is literally a hobby and it's out of love for my left community um so i don't know what it's like uh, I, to to like be waking up and thinking about let me look at the numbers how much money did i make today how many patreon people added or how many people when i said this how many people um unsubscribed from my patreon so i'm i, I want to be sensitive to that side of things but if we're in it to for the greater good you know then we have to decide what are we here for you know, and I, I think Brianna Joy Grace was one of the people. Um, I know people asked if, if she went to that event. I don't think she went to that event, but I do remember that she went to uh, um, D.C. I don't know if it was the Force to Vote, Force to Vote March. I do remember um, yeah. that she went there. She didn't speak, but she went to one. And um, at, as you can see with her actions, she's definitely having people on her channel from Nico all the way to Crystal Ball. You know, those are people on two opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and then she went to that um, that event. I remember she said she went there, but she didn't speak. But um, yeah, we need more of those um, type of people uh, happening. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that um, you know, you just reminded me of that forced to vote uh, protest, and you and you know what? She got criticized for that. Hmm. Yeah. But. Eric can please everyone, but it'd be ideal that um, these got more of these major channels that are claimed to be left leaning could rally more people to more direct action, more demand for well ballot initiatives, and well, just to. And also just demand Congress to focus on their people instead of, like, wars abroad. Yeah, I keep telling people to focus on what's happening locally. You guys will be surprised at some of the yep. decisions that these local politicians are making 
and people aren't paying attention to it because we're so, I guess, brainwashed to focus on what's happening on the federal level. Meanwhile, there's actions happening in the states that are very appalling, especially when it comes to women's rights. Oh, God, yes. I've been seeing headlines. Or some might have the mindset of, okay, let's take my mom. She's, she would rather focus on things that she can control. Now, granted, she votes. She makes sure she sees that her duty as a citizen, and even my stepdad, my dad even, as just voting. Otherwise, anything that's, she, she'd rather focus on what's, like, within her control. And she thinks it's, like, her job, maintaining the house, making sure everything's paid, the dog, and I'm, and, and she tries not to get her head wrapped around, like, the things going, that seem outside of her control, or are, but, because she sees like, my worries about, like, uh, what's going on with the wars and everything of not being able to afford things, she thinks it's, like, you don't worry about it, you're gonna stress yourself out, you'll get there one day, and they're, like, you re- okay, we are seeing two, two different, completely different realities. I wonder if people are, have that mindset, like I just described with my mom. Yeah, I can see that too. But thank you so much for calling Simway. I want to bring in uh, Karthik. No prob. Thanks for having me on. Okay, Karthik. And Roger Meadows is going to be the last caller. What's up, Karthik? Savvy. Uh, there's been so many good stuff to, that you, I've heard here, so I have no idea where to start. Um, first of all, Savvy, I just want to congratulate on your call-in show and obviously your regular YouTube show. I feel like your call-in show is one of the best on here. You know, so keep uh, doing the good work. And um, I, 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 I like, sorry, uh, I, I like what Case uh, said about a theoretical, like, uh, working together, you know, one day potentially of the uh, uh, re- revolutionary left and the reformists, like TYT and then their affiliates. Like, I think that's a good idea in theory. And, but I feel like it's like horrible, like, to, Execute because a lot of the people like that are affiliated with TOT and the network, they really they seem to really believe that like like any sort of pressure like like whether it's like direct action or, or mutual aid, like for example the um, Met, Met, Medicare for All march or um, uh, RBN's uh, General Strike Summit last year, they either see it as like a joke or they see it as like like hurting the squad and hence it's, it's being done by. Uh, uh, right wingers. I remember when TYT talked about it, he, they said like, "Oh, it's just some random right wingers trying to do something," even though it was like a bunch of lefties trying to make something happen. They were against it because Jimmy Dore was a part of it. Oh well, yeah, but, well that's obvious. Um, I was just yeah, um, yeah. And, and speaking from Crystal Ball, like she seems, uh, if if it's not domestic policy, like she seems to have like no interest in it, and, and like. And these people in TYT, like they usually only talk about like direct action or like, or even like any uh late labor movement after it's either successful or if it's popular. If it's not popular or successful, they're probably not going to mention it. Right, and I think what's important to remember is about the journey, right? So a lot of times these issues are discussed after you win, and I think it's important 
to talk about the journey along the way. And that's something I will say, like Jordan Sheridan does that. Like he doesn't just yeah. talk about these worker issues or these strikes, like after they won, he's there like when they're striking, when they're, they're trying to win. Right. So I think that is important that you, you have to cover it. Like you can't be afraid to cover it because you think it may fail. That's, I think that's poor journalism. People need to know what's going on around this country and they turn to independent media so that they can get that information that mainstream media is either not covering or facts that mainstream media is leaving out. And if, if you can't do that, then you're doing your audience a disservice. And the fact that more people weren't passionate about marching for Medicare for all, that just tells me exactly where we are in this independent media space. For years, we sat back and we listened to Bernie Sanders and all these other progressive candidates that were running while Trump was in office tell us that we need to fight for these issues, that we need to have a movement across this country, that we need to fight for Medicare for all. So the people get together and organize to do a march for Medicare for all, and those same people criticize the action or ignore it. When Cori Bush came to the DC March for Medicare for all, a lot of you don't know this. Do you know what she said to the bank sisters? We don't agree with what you guys are doing here. So well, yeah, because they, they don't want to be pressured. Right. So let me get this straight. You came to the march. You're supposed to be supporting the march. And you tell the activists that you don't agree with what is being done. How, how would Cori Bush have felt if we came to her when she was protesting in Ferguson during the Ferguson protests and we said, we don't agree with what you're doing here. Well, wasn't a, a, a Cori Bush a homeless then? Or maybe she was homeless before, I don't know. She, was, yeah, homeless, it's like, she was homeless before, but you see how people change once they get in. This yeah, is the it's careerism. If you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it, whatever. But the thing is, is this, you ran on it. You ran on Medicare for All. That's a statement I expect to hear from Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema, not from the person who ran on Medicare for All, to come to the event and to tell the people that you don't approve of what they're doing. We, the squad, don't approve of what you're doing. Who made you the authority figure here on what people do on the outside in reference to direct action? You're not leading that. They're politicians. You stay in DC and you politic. You let the people on the outside who want to organize and do direct action, you let us do what we do because you, none of these politicians, none of those progressive politicians have been a part of any of these movements. These things that have happened on the outside, they don't show up. And the one time they did show up, it was after they were criticized for not showing up. And that's when AOC and Bernie Sanders showed up after Chris Smalls won in Amazon. And it was only because Crystal Ball called out AOC publicly on Twitter and AOC responded. AOC did not respond to anyone else who called her out. So what does that tell you about the relationship that people like Crystal Ball have with these progressive politicians in DC? Well, that's so why AOC, Crystal Ball. Yeah. So AOC, you can't respond to the working class people who were criticizing you and the Amazon workers who were criticizing you for saying you would show up and you didn't appear when we were striking, but you can respond to an independent media host 
when she criticizes you, you guys see the problem? Well, Crystal Ball also was uh, able to get an interview with Bernie. So that shows that she has like some connections. Right, exactly. In order to have connections to them and have access to them, you got to be nice to them. They're not going to go. What did Bernie Sanders tell you guys? What did he say? He would only do the interview if it was just with Crystal, not with Kyle. Yeah, those guys have no courage. Exactly. Why? Because Kyle had criticized him previously. So this whole idea, when they tell us that we need to be nice to them, that's why they're saying that. Because when they weren't nice to them, they lost access. If you guys, no bump that. If you get no access, you get no access. What does that tell you about them as a politician? How yeah, is that a yeah, well, yeah, that's a, a good point. Um, well, speaking just about uh, uh, Julian Assange for a second, I feel like Crystal and, and like a lot of lefties, like they seem to have almost no interest in like anything outside of like like domestic policy. They're like they either like don't care or just don't care to learn about stuff outside of like what directly affects them. Or, or they're just bored with foreign policy. I, I don't know. Well, I think, you know, no, all of us have like different areas where we're strong, right? There's areas where we're strong. There's oh, yeah, I'm talking about like, like, like interest, not just like expertise. It's a common, it's a common thing with American culture. Like, I'll be honest with you. Most Americans are not invested in foreign culture, don't care about it. They don't care about foreign policy. Most Americans care about what's happening right here in the United States. And consumerism, like you guys were saying earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this idea that America is supposed to be the best and we need to focus on what's happening at home. And I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on domestic issues, but what people have to understand is that foreign policy is also domestic policy because a lot of times those countries, when you look at the struggles that they're going to, they're going through, it is because of things that have happened by the United States government. It's because what the U.S. government has done to those countries, whether it's sanctions, whether it's um, uh, warfare, whether it's drone strikes, whether it's imperialism, you know, extracting their resources. The U.S. usually at some point in time has had their hand in that, in that country. Uh, look at what has happened to Haiti, right? That's because of U.S. In- interventionism. Look at what has happened to Somalia. Look at what's happened in Afghanistan, how people are starving. Look at Syria. Look at Yemen. U.S., 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 U.S. government. All of them. So it's like to sit back and and ignore foreign policy and pretend like it has nothing to do with the U.S., I think that it's a failure, especially as a journalist. Now, I do know sometimes that all of us are not experts in that field. That's okay. That's why you bring on people who are. That's why you bring on people. When I when I talked about China, who did I bring on? I brought on people that know a lot about China. You know, you, you bring those people on. You bring on these voices like Danny Haifong. Bring on Max Blumenthal. Bring on Aaron Mate. Bring on Vanessa Bealy if you can get her. Uh, bring on people who have actually been on the ground in those countries and have been reporting what's going on over there. And don't just dismiss them because they're friends with someone that you don't like. As right wingers or uh, sympathizing with the with the dictators, I, I know that's what happened to uh, uh, Rania Kalik when she was on the ground in like uh, uh, Venezuela and uh, Syria. Yeah, I wish we had a way to call out 
these politicians who don't come out and go on our shows, our independent media shows. I mean, even Chris Cuomo. I mean, I, I remember a time when um, uh, yeah, when Sanders I was on Chris Cuomo. I know it was to Cuomo, but let me just. You're gonna make me throw up, man. Nah, I know, right? Hey, who who you talking to? This case study could be what what I watch all day, you know. So anyway, this is back before the big scandal, right? Um, he would go on. Bernie Sanders went on Chris Cuomo's show, and at the end of his interview, he said, "Hey, come, you could come on. My door is open. You could come on anytime. You could have the whole hour if you want to, Bernie." And Bernie's like, "Okay, okay." And he left. And I'm like, did you hear what he just said? Did you hear what, Bernie, did you hear what this man who has the 8 p.m. slot on CNN every night, did you hear what he just said? He said you can have the whole freaking hour. This is while you're running. You should have, like, an expert from Medicare for All. You can talk. Maybe have a nurse. Maybe have regular people on the show. Well, would that have actually happened? Like, because people can say whatever they want. But I just Chris Cuomo... Is a man, I mean, I don't want to say he's a man of his word. I do not know him, but he does do things like that. For example, he had TYT was on um, CNN on, and on his show a couple of times. Yeah, now, yeah, and, that's because of him and Jenk are friends. Well, so they fell out. I'm pretty sure they fell out because he, they're not on there as much anymore. Oh, yeah, eventually, yeah. But Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but Bernie's, how you pronounce your name? I'm sorry, is it Karthik? Yeah, Karthik, great job. Karthik, he, he um, Bernie's Bernie. At this point, this is not Bernie of 2000 before post pre 2016. Bernie, any matter of fact, recently I clipped that Bernie was trying to tell the Democrats like, hey, we can't just run on abortion. We got to run on economics. So he's got he's a leader in the Democratic Party, even though he's not a Democrat. He's a leader with the big voice. Yeah, he, 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 he's in leadership. He's a chair of the yeah. uh, budget. Committee, yeah. So my, my whole point is, if Bernie wants to have that whole hour and Chris publicly said that he would give him an hour, he's going to get that hour. I guarantee you. this was during the 2020 campaign? This is during, yeah, this is before the 2020 campaign. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, so in between 16 and 20. Okay, yeah, well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. I don't, well, obviously, like, Chris Cuomo can say whatever he wants, you know, but. I just don't. I can't imagine that ever happening, and especially you know, like like maybe Bernie could get an hour on there for you know some fluke yeah. or whatever. But I just don't see how CNN would allow like uh, nurses or or uh, uh, labor leaders or just like uh, re- regular poor people because I know that maybe that's possible. Because like, I, I remember after the 16 election, like CNN, MSNBC, they actually had uh, Bernie on a lot, and that's because oh they knew oh well he's not running, so he can't hurt us. Also, because he brings us like 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 great like excellent ratings, you know, he's the most popular politician. But I know once he ran in twenty twenty, like MSNBC, mm-hmm. like there was like a total blackout of him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. who knows who knows maybe that could have happened, but I just can't imagine him at least like having like on any regular people because like Bernie's a star, you know. So he they yeah. can help him financially, but yeah. What, I, the point I, is, we'll I, I never know because unfortunately, um, I don't think that. Um, Bernie made that happen, and I could, I would totally eat my words if somehow it came out that he said, "Hey, I really did try, and Cuomo didn't let me do it." But I think um, it's more on the Bernie side. If you hear Brianna Joy Gray, and she even has um, qualms that she talks about um, of different opportunities that were lost. You know, they had um, 
uh, Cardi B as a supporter of Bernie. And she was like, hey, why don't we get Cardi to do this, do that? All these other celebrities that were Bernie supporters, like, hey, why don't we do this and that with them? And like, I don't know if they just had too many old people at the top of the food chain, you know, both <laughs> times that they just didn't we see We need the more Jeff Zuckers, man. And Chuck <laughs> Roaches. I, I really wish Matthew Ho would have answered your question different savvy ways. He, he said, maybe I'll look into 2024. <laughs> you know, I saw that clip and I really loved, I really loved that guy, man. But um, the, the whole point of this, uh, what I was trying to say is that I wish there was a way to shame these guys into coming on Sab's show, Brianna Joy Gray's show, who she used to be your damn press secretary. Like, for the love of God, give her that respect. You know, um, well, she's an outsider now because she didn't vote yeah. Biden. She voted, uh, yeah. she wrote green, I don't know, but, but she didn't vote for yeah. Biden. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, so. And even outside of Bernie, let's talk about Fauci and and, and um, how he denied that there was, you know, a lab, um, you know, the 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 COVID originated uh, from a lab. Much you can say about it. Um, it, it would never end. Like we need to find a way to shame these guys. But um, anyway, I'll stop my rant right now. <laughs> hey, Savvy, I'll, I'll I'll go. But I just want to say one last thing about uh, Julian Assange. I think like one of the reasons maybe they're not. May, may not be as much support for him as we would like is that a lot of lefties, you know, Democrats, like they're kind of convinced now, as TYT said, that like uh, Assange is a Trumper and that he's a Russian or a right winger um, and stuff like that. And also, oh, uh, I, 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 I think it was uh, Omar that said this, but for that AOC interview where she was asked about Julian Assange, I remember I think first something about Edward Stone, where AOC is like, yeah, Snowden should probably be released. You know, he's been in prison for a long time. But Julian Assange, you know, uh, I don't know about that. That one is just uh, too much, too far. Wow. this It's just crazy. It's like you would think they'd be pro, like, for speech. But at the end of the day, if your just goal is to tell people, okay, Our. progressives lost, just vote, vote Democrat, then yeah, that and, all makes sense. I, I don't even think that, that Bernie supports, like, pardoning Assange or, or freeing him either. Like, he hasn't, like, come out and said it. No, he's been quiet about it, too. The only person that came out and spoke out against it was Ilhan Omar out of that progressive group. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Yeah, uh, I'll go. Oh, yeah, I'll go. Thank you. Thanks, Karthik. All right, guys, Roger Meadows is going to be the last caller. So, Roger, what is going on? On. Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Roger, what's I going can. on? Oh. Roger, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. but you have an echo. Can anyone hear me? Yeah, but you yeah. have an echo. Oh. Roger, I always wonder if you have two devices on in your car. Like, do you have a phone and a laptop on or something and a at the same time? I got two phones. One that I'm using for um for my navigation for, for Uber. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I'm, mm-hmm. my main phone that I'm talking to you on. So do you listen to calling on, you on your main phone? Also in on your main phone? Yes. Yes. So that's that, the issue that right other there. Phone is strictly so that's the issue right there. So the, um... What do you call it? The 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 other phone is is strictly an app phone for uh, Uber. Yeah, that's the phone. That's, that's, that's I what think what's going yeah, on because your main phone is is um, producing the audio is, is, um, right that you're listening to, 
right? And then you're talking you're on the other phone, and then you're talking but we're hearing the, the echo phone. because you're on mobile. Well, anyway, I, I don't want to keep the, I'll give the show back to Savvy. Sorry, I'll give the show back to Savvy. Sorry, Savvy. Sorry. Uh, what about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, it's a Bluetooth. It was a Bluetooth. I took I took you off Bluetooth. That's why. Um, so first, I would like for the family to say hi to my customers that are about to get out the car. <laughs> Leah and Aziz, say hi to them, family. Hi. <laughs> hi, Leah. Hi, Leah and Aziz. <laughs> hi, guys. <laughs> They, they said hi back. They're, they're shy. I just want to introduce them, with what, you know, just have them say hi. They, they don't want to speak, whatever. But um, also, one, um, Sabrina, I have to laugh every single time you talk about your interactions with your dad. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. How in the world do you talk for five hours? Can you <laughs> said you introduced him to Twitter. He said, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, I don't know whether it's because I I uh, lost my dad back in 2017. I mean, we, we weren't really that close or whatever the case was, but um, you know, he's a provider and all that different type of stuff. But I think Drop it's, off, I, I think it's the most like hilarious thing. Cause you know, just, just, you should talk more about your dad. Matter of fact, JB bought on his mom. I gotta see that episode. I never, I've never seen that. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Oh, okay. Have a good night. All right. Say bye to Leah and Aziz. Bye. <laughs> Have a good night. Uh, you too. Um, my bad. So, can can you still hear me? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Good. 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 Um. Yeah. You should. Yeah. That that would be great. Also, um, case. It sounds like. You did not get a chance because you were speaking about um, what was it you were speaking about? Oh, you know what? First, let me deal with the with the subject that that we're all talking about, Assange. Um, surprisingly, I saw. I think it was yesterday. Uh, Breaking Points actually did a segment on Assange. Covered it pretty positively. So keep on pushing <laughs> you know what I mean I don't know if you're getting through or whatever the case is but I don't know that, that's how I interpret it it seemed like they they uh talked about how bad he's being treated and so on and so forth so nice nice yeah. I, ho- I hope we keep uh yeah hope it keeps blending through definitely yeah, so you gotta wear people down sometimes you know what I mean you're, you're not gonna get it in one shot or whatever the case is that's good Roger mm-hmm um two uh if you got i put you guys on a group dm um about my interaction with arizona for medicare for all um i don't know if you had a chance to you know check it out or whatever the case is and um i saw you responded case um but i'm not sure if if sabrina you had checked it out or whatever the case is but you know, check it, it. It's it's a group DM with like ten of us on there um, about how we can join in and possibly help these guys in Arizona push a, a ballot initiative for Arizona Medicare for All. Maybe you know somehow lend some help or whatever the case is. Um, 
know the Zoom is November 10th. So I, I definitely, I don't know if I'll be available. I don't know what day that is. I have to double check. But I, I will usually work at night and then I'm asleep on the day. I don't know what time it is. But if it's at night, then I might be able to check it out. But I'm definitely interested in the organizing aspect of it. And I would love to sit on a Zoom at least once. So we'll see. Yeah, because I mean, you just have to remember they are on. Uh, I think they're on Pacific Standard Time <laughs> because I realized I'm trying to get they said it was seven o'clock. I'm trying to get on. I'm like, hey, what happened? And then I got an email around 10. I was like, oh, that's right. They're in a different time zone. So, um, but I sent you guys the um, the Zoom of last week of me. You, you'll see me in real time. Um, it, it wasn't, it was only maybe six of them on there, whatever the case is. And um, you'll see me in real time push them away from, not necessarily like push, they're in that transition period, right? So they're, they're still on, you know, because, you know, these are like, you know, your parents and grandparents and shit. So they're still on that, oh, we got to get two more Democrats in, in the Senate, blah, blah, blah. You'll see me push back on that. Um, you don't see the emails that went back and forth where they actually came to my point of view in terms of pushing the ballot initiative. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think you, you know, like, check it out. I sent the password too, the, the passcode in the uh, in the DM chat as well. Also, um, so, OK, so addressing what you were saying earlier about um, you said something about getting these different parties together. And doing this or that, or kind of like, because he was talking something about Professor Richard Wolf. Yeah, so he, he um, talked about getting the center left, the left, and then the far left. So to me, that interprets as like Elizabeth Warren supporters who are more kind of established, but they, they are for Medicare for all, you know what I'm saying? And then the Bernie left, and then the Green Party left. And them all coming together. Uh, for me, the way I would picture it among um, come together for one initiative, which is Medicare for all. We all want Medicare for all. And then anything else after that, you know, we could squabble amongst other things like UBI and whatever else is out there. But I think we all can unite uh, around <clears throat> Medicare for all. Something I've been studying a lot recently was the Cuban Revolution. And I know we all think about um, Castro as the main person that conducted the Cuban Revolution, but there's a lot of different characters in the history of the Cuban Revolution. And there were um, some socialists, there were communists, there were um, mm -hmm. unionists, and there were students, you know, in the colleges. And what united them was they wanted, they just wanted to get Batista out. Now, the, the yeah. question came with when they finally got Batista out, that's when the strife among those people happened, because then now they're like, OK, this is what we want. And Castro was like the alpha dog that kind of kicked everybody else out. But um, that's another story. But the point I'm trying to make is that these are all different people who had different ideologies, but they had one goal, and that was to get Batista, the current dictator, out of Cuba. And that's how I think we got to look at Medicare for all. And we have to say, OK, we all don't agree on the the certain things, you know, whatever that may be, but we all want Medicare for all. So let's all come together for that. See, the, the, my only issue with that is you're talking about a, a, um, a queen strategy. So um, what I mean by that is I always make this comparison with chess. 
it's not that they play chess and we play checkers. It's we're both playing chess, but the problem is we over with playing two different types of games with uh, different types of strategies, meaning we like to overutilize and be over-dependent upon our queen, the federal government, and to clear the board, okay? But once that queen gets taken away, our whole game falls apart, okay? A real chess player learns how to play without their queen and, and ultimately gets that pawn to the other end of the board. Now they have a queen. So what I'm saying is we could take what your strategy was, right, and take what Sabrina said about starting like small doing doing it small and and, uh, local state and local or whatever the case is and you and utilize your pawns which are the ballot which represent the ballot initiatives use your knights which represents your um um um, i would probably say your uh, local lawmakers and your bishops and rooks which represent your state lawmakers and governor okay because I really don't see this this thing starting from the top, starting with the queen and then working down. We have to start from the bottom and, and go up. We have to um, take the knees, cut the knees out from under the empire if you wish to dismantle the empire. You feel what I'm saying? Starting from the top, like, nah, that, and that's what I was telling these guys. You'll see if you watch that Zoom thing that the from last week with Arizona Medicare for Medicare for All Coalition. That's kind of like what I'm telling them. I was just like, look, because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, they, they, they was talking about the, the, the whole argument. And, you know, I, I was like, you know, I was nice. I didn't go in on them because they, you know, they, they, they were seniors. You know what I mean? And they only know of one, they condition to doing things one way. So, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't go, you know, like take a sword to them or nothing like that. I just, just worked on them. You know what I mean? I was like, look. <laughs> yeah, I have- totally agree with you. Um, Roger. Matter of fact, I I wouldn't. I wasn't just. I, I was trying to give that example of you know parties, I guess you know, but or politicians. But I, what I mean is their audience. Because when I gave the um, example of the Cuban Revolution, they were they was not using electoral politics. They were protesting and they were using guns, right? They right, wasn't even right. using ballot initiatives or anything like that. So the strategy yeah. at that level, hey, I'm down to use anything, any means necessary. All I'm right. saying is the collaboration should be yeah, yeah. among all these different audiences. That's all I'm saying. Right. Right. The, um, Sabrina, what you think? I feel like you haven't talked in a while, and this is your show. I don't. I always want to be cautious of that. I think I need to learn how to play chess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what what was it? Uh 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 uh. Uh, what was I gonna say? But no, so, I agree. I agree with starting from the starting from the bottom. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And what was what was the other thing? So, oh, you should listen to. I don't know if you listened to it. Go back and listen to her last call in, and what I spoke about political parties. Um, I forgot at what point I started talking about it. But it will, I think, you know, it'll change your whole view of how we see parties. You see what I'm saying? Um, number, now the other thing, you, you had mentioned something else about, um, oh, you said something. I hate when I can't write stuff down. 
but um, yeah, you, you had said something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't say something, it'll come to me. <laughs> man, I love you guys so much, man. Sabrina Rogers, everybody in the chat, I always appreciate strategizing with you all. And um and these conversations, I think the revolution is gonna be started from calling personally. That's all I gotta say right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you, Case. I, I think you're right. Um But yeah, Roger, I am gonna be ending soon. Yeah, I know. Pressure, 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 pressure. <laughs> and an hour from now I'm gonna be like, Oh yeah, I remember what I was gonna address about well, I I I'll say this. Um well, this one, this is what I meant to tell you, but this is not what I was forgot to say. Whatever. Remember a couple of weeks ago when you was asking me about the um, when I said state social security. And you remember that? Yeah, I think so. Because you, because you, yeah, I, I would. Case, do you remember that? Oh, is Case still there? Uh, I'm not sure. If I remember. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was saying we should get a. Uh, Everything that we do at the federal level, we should have a state version of it, like um, state social security. So you asked me, so what, you would get two checks, one from the federal government and one from the state government? I said, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, yes, I remember now. Mm-hmm. So let me just elaborate on that for, for a second. I remember years ago, I was, on, I was on a subway in the city, and a guy was asking for money, and he was telling me his social security does not... Um, cover it or whatever that's when i was like surprised like really wow you know whatever and you know apparently there's no cost of living adjustment on social security right so you got that gap between social security and cost of living right so that's when a state uh, social security could come in and fill that gap or even go beyond it where it just doesn't match the cost of living but it goes beyond it Mm. You see what I'm saying? So they get two checks, one from yep. federal, one from the state. That's interesting. Yep. And the and the state would be the state would fill in the gap. You, you know mm. what I mean? Because the federal mm. is just not doing a cost of living adjustment, so mm. the state would fill in the gap to meet or go past the the cost of the cost of living. And then, according to the states, they could, you know, if you're in down south where things are a little bit less expensive, like the rent and stuff like that, down south, they don't have to give as much as maybe somebody living up north in New York or the big cities, right? Is that the idea? Well, each state would just do it the way they feel, you know, they would 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 be uh, best. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I don't know if it was in the same discussion that we had with this discussion, but I'm starting in, in my own mind personally, I'm starting to become more and more um, concrete in the sense that instead of just a um, minimum wage, so like a $15 an hour, which we know should probably be like 20 and 25, I, I'm starting to think that we need that 35. $20 an hour. What you said, Roger? It should be 35 35 right? Um, but then there's people that said, well, there's, there's small businesses that can't pay $35 already, an hour. I already, got a, I already got a solution for that, bro. And um, my solution before I let go you ahead, go Tyler. with your solution was um, it'll be 35 and a UBI. So like 
the federal government would give a UBI of a thousand dollars a month or two thousand dollars a month, whatever it is. So, so let's say let's say bare minimum, you know, Congress gives us fifteen dollars an hour, and then what I would say is I want fifteen dollars an hour oh. plus a two thousand dollar UBI. So now the UBI, you know, the stores, the small business owners, they don't have to worry about that because they're not contributing to the UBI. That but the UBI is raising the standard of each individual citizenship citizen like it's giving them an extra probably 20,000 what's that yeah 20,000 a, a year in addition to that 15 minimum wage or 35 hour minimum wage but go ahead Roger now I remember what I was going to say um what you said about shaming people to come on your show mm-hmm. I say fuck them turn it around and look at the glass half full instead of half empty look at that 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 three-dimensional cube how the front keeps changing and you turn it around and you make it so that they will beg you to come on your show okay that's what you do you we concentrate on ourselves we say just like sabrina just said hey screw screw your access journalism screw you we don't care we don't need you we'll do it ourselves we build ourselves up and we become a because news is getting democratized and as soon as that last cable cord is cut because the only thing that's holding these jokers up is cable subscriptions and once that last cord is cut they're gone and 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 um, I saw something on um, not to keep you know bringing it up um, Sabs but I saw something on breaking points where they said that with advertisers on TV, it's really a guessing game as to whether they're making money off of this show or that show. But with YouTube, they know immediately. Okay? So when they try to prop up um, CNN and all these guys on YouTube, they will know immediately whether or not people are, are viewing their shows. And they, when they try to come on uh, uh, into our domain, They'll get cut. That'll that'll be it for them. So now you have a democ- You have a um, a news that's democratized, right? And we're gonna put it and we're gonna make it where no, you want these politicians begging, please, can I come on your show? You see what I'm saying? It's 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 turning it around. Just like when you know, like we was trying to, you know, Cuomo was saying, oh, if you raise taxes on rich people. They'll leave the state and take the jobs <laughs> with them. And I was like, bullshit, motherfucker. Look, here's the thing. We tell, how about we, how about, look, if, if the rich say that they want to leave the state, you know what I say? You know what I ask them? Do you need help hacking? We don't need you. We will create <laughs> our own jobs through work of cooperatives. We don't even need your damn taxes because you don't pay no goddamn taxes any fucking way. All right, we'll create a public bank. All right, and then we will we will um, uh, uh, use the surplus from it to finance what we need. And then what will happen is we will make this state so envious for for business and so on and so forth. These motherfuckers are gonna be begging to come back to New York, begging, and we're gonna say, well, you know what? The price for admission is we're going to put some high motherfucking taxes on your business, on you, and we are going to regulate the shit out of you. That's the price Mm -hmm. of admission because we don't need you. 
that's mm-hmm. the attitude that you have to have. Um, mm-hmm. And oh yeah, so back to the. You might need Roger to run for something in New York. I don't, I don't know, Roger. <laughs> nah, because politicians nah, nah. have no power. We we have power. Yeah. Now, nah, actually, you're power. going to ballot initiatives, so you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So also, so here's the minimum wage thing, right? So here's the thing. I love that attitude, though. But go ahead. You say, um, all right, so here, here's the thing. I don't know if you watch Sabrina's show when I gave her the um, out of reach, the annual out of reach project report that no, comes out. Oh, you did? I did not see that. Okay. Sabrina, if you could send me that episode, that'd be great. Um, but there's a, a thing called the annual out of reach project report that comes out every July. It used to come out every June, every July, right? And it's put together by the National Low Income Housing Coalition and J.P. Morgan Chase, believe it or not. And what it does is it tells you what if um, 30% of is supposed to pay of, of your salary is supposed to be able to pay for an average two bedroom apartment in your state or in jurisdiction um, in order for the minimum wage to pay for it working 40 hours a week, um, 52 weeks a year, this is what the minimum wage should be for your state. Um, they have a rundown. They Like on the third, they show you what it should be per state, but it also shows you what it should be for expensive jurisdiction. Okay, so the top 10 most expensive jurisdictions, eight of them are in California. Okay, and they range from, um, so they say that the minimum wage for the state for, of California should be like $39.05 an hour, but for the more expensive jurisdictions, uh, San Diego, you know, pretty, pretty much all the places where people are homeless at because they can't afford it, can't, can't afford rent, um, it ranges from $44 an hour to $61 an hour in change. Now, there was a mass exodus out of California to Texas, so it came down from last year from $68 an hour to $61 an hour for San Francisco or San Diego, okay? Um, the For New York, it said, it said $37.72 an hour, but for the more expensive jurisdiction of New York, which is downstate, it said for, for the Long Island suburbs, $39 an hour and change, and for New York City, $45 an hour, okay? So as far as what we was talking about, about um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Small businesses, right? Small businesses. So what you do is you say um, in order so for small businesses not to get like hurt, you offer a subsidy of um, 85 to cover um, 85% to 100% of small to medium-sized businesses' labor costs. For every full-time worker, they hire and part-time student that they hire. Okay. Um, now businesses will still complain because that's what that's what happened with you know these farmers upstate. They're complaining about that they can no longer uh, pay overtime after sixty hours, where it has to be paid forty hours now. You know, you know it goes down per year, whatever the case is. But yeah, that's you know that's but you know that's that's pretty it. But go back to that last calling. And listen to what I said about parties when you get a chance. I'm looking at that out of reach um, document, that PDF right now. So, yeah, and I oh, do okay. see the numbers that you're talking about. Very interesting stuff, man. You know a lot of stuff, brother. 
Man, know, you right? should be like policy, uh, a policy person or something. I love it. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would, I would. If if I if 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 I was someone's legislative director, then I would. Yeah, be able to exactly. Participate. I wouldn't be able to participate in in activism because I'm working for the government. Okay. Gotcha. Because Kristen, Kristen Gonzalez, uh, she's looking for legislative directors. I, you know, I, I suggested it to someone else, and they was just like, "Nah, they only pay fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was just like, "But they only like, seventy thousand a year, that. no big deal." Well, for New York State, that's like, eh, that's not even. I don't, after tax, I don't even think that's a thousand dollars a week. To be honest with you. Now, now you sound like Fifty Cent's son, who said that uh, sixty-seven hundred a month is not good enough for child support. Oh, <laughs> See, I, I don't I know if you heard about that. I didn't even, I didn't even pay attention to. It. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, I hear you. Nah, I was so, just joking. Okay. All right, Roger. I do have to get going. Yeah. Sorry, no Sab. Sorry about taking up all this time. I really appreciate it. You. It's okay. It's just past Sabby bedtime. Um, yeah, she's falling asleep. Thanks so the much. Thank <laughs> thanks so I much hear for, for the tuning in, guys. Thanks so much, Roger. Um, always a pleasure, guys. Um, remember, guys, tomorrow I'm off, so I won't be streaming tomorrow, but I'll be back on Thursday. So, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a good night. Thank you, Sabs. Have a good one. Thanks, Case. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. You too.